Chapter 87 Ivy turned around in her chair just as he flicked the light on. Oh, God. Duke clutched at his chest. You trying to give me a heart attack, Grandma? That was not my intention, no. Then why are you sitting in the dark? Oh, um, I'm conserving energy. Duke's eyes narrowed critically. You couldn't figure out the light switch, could you? Ivy cleared her throat. That was certainly a factor. You twist, then press, Duke told her. Just so you know, for the future, so this doesn't happen again. Since when do light switches, never mind, she cut herself off, standing up. Listen, I need something from you. A favor. Duke set his bag down on the leather chair he had facing his desk. Sure. Happy to help. What do you need? Is this for the league? Oh, no, Pam sounded apologetic, and quickly paled her skin, reaching into her purse to retrieve her glasses. Sorry, this is a personal matter. Sounds awfully formal, Duke remarked, crossing the room to the chair behind his desk. The one his grandmother had just abandoned. What do you need? To find your cousin. Daisy? Duke guessed, though he knew the answer without the question. Something tells me she doesn't want to be found. I'm sure you're right, Pam granted. But I'm not sure why you say it like you assume I care. Duke laughed. Well, all right. It's your funeral. No, it was her mother's funeral, and she chose not to attend, Pam corrected. It took a little longer to track her down than Pam had anticipated, even with her and Duke pooling their resources. Daisy had evidently made the extra effort to establish a shell corporation so none of her wildcat properties showed up on any official list of Daisy May Wayne's holdings, investments, or assets. It was impressive, if not extremely inconvenient for someone trying to track her down. But it happened eventually, and once the search area was nailed down, Ivy asked the Green for a confirmation on her granddaughter's location. And even after that, it was still a 30-minute ride by flyer. Needless to say, Pam was pretty much done before she even arrived. It was really more of a warehouse than anything, Pam noted as she knocked on the door. One of Daisy's motorcycles was in the garage, Pam could see that from the dirt path that led to the large sliding doors. The plants even told her Daisy was inside, so either she hadn't heard, or she just didn't care to answer. Pam knocked again, with a bit more force this time. She dedicated her entire night to this endeavor, she wasn't planning to turn back around. Daisy May, it's your grandmother. Don't call me that, the voice came from inside. Pam sighed. Daisy, will you open the door? I'd like to speak with you. No, Daisy answered plainly, and that was officially the last straw. Two tree roots sprung up from the ground, wrapping around the door handles and wrenching them apart. Pam waited patiently, listening to the locks on the other side of the door bending and cracking. The redhead stepped inside, and was greeted by a chorus of curse words. Are you serious? Daisy demanded from her place curled up on the oddly expensive-looking couch, given the ambience. No means no, Grandma, fuck, I thought you, of all people, would understand that. Doesn't apply in this context, Pam remarked distractedly as she took a look around. It was really more of a lab, she realized. It actually reminded her of the hideouts she kept before she met Harley. The ground was cold concrete, 
workbenches stretched nearly the width of the space, piled neatly with state-of-the-art equipment, and the shelves were lined with jared and potted plant specimens. What's going on here, Daisy? Pam asked as she continued to take in her surroundings. Meth, was Daisy's quick explanation. I'm cooking meth. It's making a comeback. Meth and gelatin capsules? Pam raised an eyebrow as she took a mental inventory of the supplies. Daisy, she stopped cold when her eyes passed over the label of an isolated vial. You're not manufacturing slappers, are you? Daisy scoffed. Yeah, why don't I just go ahead and spit on my mom's grave? No, Grandma, Daisy finally pulled herself to her feet. It's pain medication. Pam cautiously crossed over to the vial labeled Venom, carefully picking it up to hold the green liquid to the light. Who would need Venom in their pain medication? Mom, obviously, Daisy answered like that was a stupid question, snatching the vial away from her. Pain meds didn't work for the same reason alcohol didn't. Venom was the only substance strong enough to actually have an effect on her. Worked on the formula for three months. She set it back down in its sheath. Naturally, she died before I could finish it. Lived for a goddamn year with pancreatic cancer and absolutely no relief. Then, as soon as I have the answer, she dies. Pam looked down at the completed green capsules. I'm not sure she would have taken it even if you had finished it in time. There was no substance on this earth she despised more. Daisy laughed. I like how you think I'd tell her what was in it. Such a high opinion you hold of me, Grandma. I always thought you would be a scientist, Pam absently remarked, squeezing a capsule between her fingers. You know what the terrible irony of this entire situation is? Much of my thesis back in 1966 was focused on the effects of plant-animal hybridization on cancer cells. As I am now a plant-animal hybrid, and completely impervious to disease, I suppose my research was on target. So if I'd been allowed to follow my intended career path. You could have cured mom's cancer, Daisy finished for her. But you becoming a hybrid was what halted your career, and without your plant DNA, and your time spent in Arkham Asylum, mom never would have existed in the first place. Yes. Pam acknowledged, running her finger along the metal of the microscope in front of her. So, long story short, everything happens for a reason, right? Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, etc. etc. Good talk, Grandma. Thanks for stopping by. Pam pursed her lips, swallowing as she finally set the capsule back where it belonged and raised her eyes. That night Kara and I saw you at the iceberg, how recently had she been diagnosed? Two months, Daisy answered, intently studying her fingernails like Joe used to do. She was just happy she got the trials in time. Another four years would have been too late. I suppose that explains some of your behavior that night, Pam recognized. There's nothing to explain. Daisy, I was married to a psychiatrist for... Nana's been dead a long time. I think you got a little rusty. Pam had to take a moment, as she knew any immediate response would come out angry. She didn't want to be angry anymore. Not with her family. Not with Daisy. Her granddaughter was grieving and upset, that was easy to see. Seemed her coping mechanism was similar to Pam's, avoid, isolate, and bury your head in work. 
Pam knew more than anyone how destructive this cycle could be. And no matter how many women Daisy slept with in a given week, she knew loneliness when she saw it, and Daisy was lonely. I'll never know what it is to lose a mother, Pam finally spoke up. Friends, and daughters, and wives, yes, but I took my mother's life from her, and I did it with a smile on my face. I never got to experience someone being there for me, witnessing my every failure and accomplishment, rooting me on from the sidelines with absolute, unwavering, unconditional love and support. I wasn't born with a support system, I collected one. And so, while I don't know how it feels to have my foundation ripped out, gutted, I do know what it is to feel untethered. For a long time, I believed Harleen was the only reason I'd ever want to be human. And then I met your Uncle Anthony, and your mother, and all of you, and I got to see the world through your eyes for the first time. The wonder in your expressions as you came to understand what it meant to be human. Daisy had slowly raised her eyes. When your Nana died, I had to find other people to lean on. Other people tether me. To help keep my feet on the ground. Pam wet her lips. I'm glad you've made peace with yourself, Daisy. I'm glad that you understand what you need, and how you operate. But, sweetheart, from one suffering Sappho to another, I have to tell you that I think you're a bit of a coward. And look, I understand why, Pam assured before Daisy could stop her. We're conditioned to believe we don't deserve happiness. That those who achieve it will eventually end up broken. But it's bullshit, Daisy. It's all bullshit. I was 64 years old when I first laid eyes on the love of my life, from the inside of a prison cell, no less. And somewhere along the line, I decided to stop making myself miserable. To step out of my comfort zone. To embrace the outside world for all its injustices, and you know what? It's 78 years later, my wife is dead, my daughter is dead, I've been bruised, knocked down, had my heart broken a million times over, but it was worth it. Every memory I have, each one I hold dear, it's worth it. They were worth it. Daisy sniffed, wiping her eye. I can guarantee you your father would tell you the same thing. It's worth it. Pam assured her again, moving to rest her hands on Daisy's shoulders. Families, mothers, they plant you in the ground. They nurture you as your delicate leaves fight to break through the soil. But the decision to reach for the sun? That's yours, and yours alone. I think it's time now, Daisy. Time you reached. You are a talented thief with a brilliant mind, but not everything in life is intended to be experienced with your head. At a certain point, you have to start using your heart. That's where all the good stuff happens, anyway. Daisy swallowed. Yeah, okay, fine. That's a pretty good speech, Grandma, but it's not like you're doing much better. I know you threw the thing with Kara away, and I'd be willing to bet it was because you were scared. I did, and you're right. Pam acknowledged. And I'm going to try my best to fix that. Bruce always said everyone deserves a second chance. My hope is that Kara is just as charitable. But I might need some help. Supergirl was on her 3RD leisurely lap around National City that night. Crime just wasn't biting. Evidently, Every unlawful citizen had decided to take the collective night off. Kara hated that. She shouldn't, she knew she shouldn't, but she did. Slow nights weren't so bad when she had Lena, she loved her job, she loved being Supergirl, 
but she remembered always wanting to get home faster. Get home and crawl in bed beside her. Inhale deeply through her nose and wrap her arms around her. Or, when Lena was working late, she'd check in on her at the office. Bring her a coffee or a donut if she needs it, steal a quick kiss on the balcony. And when she was with, well, when Pam was, when they were, kissing and going to dinner together, Kara thrived on slow nights. They lived on opposite. Sides of the country, after all, slow nights were really their only chance to spend time together outside of work. But now that she had nobody, slow nights left Kara alone with her thoughts. Sad thoughts, mad thoughts, all kinds. Thoughts she didn't want to think. But for all Supergirl's power, she was powerless against her wandering mind. And wander it did. Always. Back to times when she was happier. Back to when her heart felt full. Kara's eyes lit up at the sound of glass breaking somewhere downtown. Thank goodness, she exclaimed excitedly, speeding off in that direction. As she neared the city center, she was able to triangulate the sound to a jewelry store near Luther Park. Kara had decided after Lena died that the name needed some good attached to it. By the time she arrived, the thief, clad in all black, a hood over her head, and goggles covering her eyes, was already on the roof, and moving quickly. Not superhuman fast, but fast enough that Kara had to work on her timing. With a little burst of speed, Supergirl swooped down, though she came up empty when, at the last possible second, the thief dropped down into a roll. Sorry, the woman called over her shoulder when Kara slammed into the brick wall, unable to stop her momentum, it was a woman, and her voice sounded familiar. Kara quickly got back up into the air, following the thief as she dropped down off the building, bounding onto the dumpster first and then heading into the park. I have x-ray vision, you know. Supergirl called after her. You can run, but you can't hide. Come find me, then, the woman laughed, darting between the trees. Kara supposed this was more fun than her alternate plan for the night, so she humored her, weaving through the woods until she finally had the woman by her collar using it to lift her a few feet into the air. I, forgot, what it felt like, to get caught, she chuckled, though her air supply was limited, her feet kicking aimlessly in the air. And now Kara was sure she knew who it was, so she pulled the woman's goggles off, finding Daisy Wayne beneath, just like she'd guessed. Daisy, what are you doing here? Kara demanded, releasing her grip and letting the thief drop to the ground. I know that you guys have an agreement in Gotham, or whatever, but this isn't going to fly in National City. I'm acting out. My mom just died, Daisy innocently reasoned. Kara shook her head. Well, I'm sorry about that, and turned her around, pulling the small bag off of her back. But that's no excuse to break the law. Now what did you take? She unzipped the bag, reaching her hand inside and pulling out, chocolate. Bewildered, Kara looked back at Daisy to see the younger woman grinning. Happy Valentine's Day, Kara, Daisy told her, nodding over Kara's shoulder. You kids have fun. Daisy sprinted deeper into the park as soon as Kara turned her head, finding a leotard-clad poison ivy leaning against the trunk of a thick tree just inside the clearing. You, what are you, why are you here? Kara stammered. To apologize, mostly, Ivy admitted pushing off of the tree and walking slowly towards her. Slowly like she'd let Kara fly away if she wanted to. To talk.
to tell you I missed you, and to thank you for the flowers you sent. You, you brought Daisy all the way here, had her break a window, and had me chase her just so that you could apologize? Kara was reasonably appalled. Ivy narrowed her green eyes like she was reviewing her actions. I've been told I can be a touch dramatic, extra, is a word that's often thrown around. I suppose this is evidence of that. I mean, I like chocolates and all, but what the heck? You could have just called me. There was no guarantee you'd answer, Ivy pointed out. And you shouldn't have to spend Valentine's Day alone, without chocolates, I mean. Kara blushed, though she covered it with a hard scowl, looking down at the bag in her hands. I don't think I want to accept your apology. Well, I haven't made one yet. Still, Kara doubled down. You really hurt my feelings that night. I know, Ivy murmured, standing close, but not too close. I made a mistake, Kara. I've made a lot of mistakes. But what I did that night, it had nothing to do with you. Nothing. Well, I was the one you yelled at, Kara mumbled. I was the one that was only half-dressed when you told me to leave. I was the one who had to fly to Metropolis to stay with Clark, and cried on his shoulder for hours because I finally opened up to someone else. Finally let, let, finally let someone. Else, touch me. Never thought I would, but I did. And then you screamed at me. Ivy didn't respond for a long while. Kara actually had to reluctantly raise her eyes to see if the redhead was even still there. But she was. Looking very sad. I'm sorry about Joe, Kara added quickly. Just because she'd wanted to say it. She needed to. I can't imagine anything harder than outliving your child. Thank you, Ivy whispered. Kara. She seemed to be beginning a new thought. The last time I saw my wife, her last moments on earth, she was crying. And when I asked her why, she told me she was scared that she'd miss me, as wherever she was headed off to, I would never be able to follow. She had to take a moment to swallow. She asked me if I'd wait for her. And you told her yes, Kara guessed. Though she really didn't need to. Of course that had been Pam's answer. It would have been Kara's answer too if Lena had asked the same question. I allowed myself to feel happy for a moment, Kara. Truly happy, Ivy told her. I was having a good time, I, I wanted you. Badly. And at that realization, I felt nothing but guilt and shame. That's why I asked you to leave, she explained. I was trying to keep my promise. Kara just nodded, her eyes still trained on the backpack in her hands. I was afraid that loving you, liking you, being with you, it meant I didn't still love Harley. And I do, Kara, I really do. I know you do, Kara quietly acknowledged. But my daughter, she said something to me after Harley died, Pam continued. She said that wherever Harley is now, she took a little piece of me with her. A little piece of my heart. And now I realize Joe took some too, when she left. And so did Bruce and Selena, and Barbara and Dick. And now I'd, I'd like to offer a piece to you, Kara, if you'd accept it. Because, in return, I get to keep our memories. Kara looked up at the thickness of Ivy's voice. At the beginning, Harley said our life was just going to be a snapshot to me, Ivy went on. A snapshot of love, of happiness, 
an entire life, a love story, all contained in a series of images that I get to keep in a grand photo album that will last my entire existence. Last until the end of time itself. Pam was smiling now, even through her tears. And if I keep loving people. Keep taking pictures. Keep giving bits and parts of myself, maybe someday, there won't be any of me left. And then perhaps, perhaps I'll be allowed to rest. That's, Pamela, that's really sad, Kara was crying too now. No, Ivy disagreed. What's sad is the realization that I may have ruined my shot with you. Torn the pages out before we even began. An entire life missed because I was afraid. Harley would have never wanted that, she reasoned. Would never want me to be afraid. I still love her, Kara, I don't see that ever changing. But I think, I think maybe I could love you too, if you'd give me the chance. A second chance. Kara blinked her tears away, her blue eyes sparkling, heart pounding, chest full, and stomach fluttering. Do you like chocolate? She blurted out before she could think of a more elegant response. Because, um, I have a whole bag now, see? And no one to share it with. I don't like chocolate, Pam admitted, and Kara deflated the moment before she continued. But in the ultimate test of my devotion, I'll eat it for you. Chapter 88 Pam was awoken by the feeling of soft lips pressed against her own. She screwed her eyes shut tighter at first, fighting against the intrusion of the crisp morning air. Is there a window open? She mumbled before opening her eyes, trying to get her ducks in a row. Oh. I'm sorry, you're cold. Pam felt the mattress shift as Kara, yes, it was Kara, got up, crossing the large bedroom with a hurried pitter-patter of her bare feet and slammed the window shut. I forgot to close it when I flew back in, she apologized. At that, Pam's eyes finally blinked open, squinting at the bright light that streamed into the bedroom through the large picture window. She'd never really woken up in a strange bed before, a strange room, strange house, strange city, and the effects were a bit disorienting. Kara was returning to the bed, dressed in her Supergirl costume, her cape still on her shoulders, and it took a moment for Pam to get her bearings. You've already been out this morning? Well, yeah, I went out to get us coffee, Kara plopped back down on the bed. And the guy in front of me tried to rob the place. Absolute madness. But I got free coffee and a whole basket of muffins. Do you like lemon poppy seeds? I thought you might like lemon poppy seeds. Pam went to sit up, and when she did, the blanket fell from her chest, causing Kara to blush furiously at the sight. Oh, sorry, I forgot I was, I forgot we. Pam was blushing now, too. She wasn't used to blushing. The night before had started out with chocolates, yes, but all Pam wanted was to kiss her. It was all she'd been thinking about for some time, the soft pillows of Kara's lips, her little, excited moans, her hands around the small of her back, running slowly up and down her spine, her tentative, questing tongue. Kissing had led to roaming hands, and the movement of Kara's hips against her own had eventually gone from insistent to desperate. When Kara picked her up off the couch, moving them into the bedroom, Pam attempted to explain the significance of the nickname she'd used the last time, and though it was painful for Pam, and admittedly less than eloquent, Kara seemed to understand. She'd laid her down on the bed, pressing a firm kiss to her lips and saying, Pamela, Pam, Ivy, 
The sincerity in her eyes had made Pam's heart flutter, the knot in her stomach finally untying itself. Rao, you're so beautiful, Kara whispered, staring dutifully at an obscure spot on the comforter. Sorry I woke you up, I just, um, you look like a princess? And so I thought I should probably kiss you to make sure you didn't die or anything cause you, well, you sorta of sleep like you're dead. Perfect and dead. Pam laughed. Did you, enjoy yourself? Last night, she hoped she had. She really, sincerely hoped she had. Kara's flush deepened, still refusing to look at her. Yes, yes, I really, um, yeah, wow, yes, I, you're, you were very, um, good, she summarized awkwardly. Thank you. Amused, Pam said, you don't work today, do you? Nope. Kara grinned happily, finally looking up, only to again go red in the face when she found Pam's chest was still uncovered. Pam's lips quivered into a smile. Then would you, like to come back to bed? I, oh, yes, Kara quickly stood up. Yes, please. I, she was fumbling with the latch on her cape. Wait, did you want to undress me? Or, I just. She caught a glance at Pam's expectant expression. We can just figure it out as we go, Kara decided, jumping back into bed to a giggle from Pam. You know what I was thinking? Kara asked sometime later, her fingers running through Pam's sweat-dampened hair. Hmm. Pam mused, looking up from where her head lay on Kara's chest. I was thinking I could probably love you too, Kara smiled down at her. Thinking, maybe I already do. Delilah? Her head shot up from where she was nodding off, and she stood quickly, before she was ready, on shaky legs. He chuckled amusedly. I'm Dr. Billings. It's a pleasure to meet you, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your nap. No, I'm, I'm sorry, she said, her skin hot with embarrassment. I just, I don't sleep much. Aren't enough hours in the day. Right. He smiled kindly at her, holding his arm out to indicate his office. Shall we get started, then? The room was not unlike other psychiatrists' offices she'd been in through the years, his diplomas were displayed proudly on the wall, the lines of the furniture were clean, the space was bright, tissues were ready on each of the couches and tables, there was even a reclining leather chair for if the patient wanted to be dramatic. Delilah Wayne. He read off of his notepad as she sat down on the couch. Evidently he was old school. Didn't seem that old, though. Late forties, perhaps mid-fifties, if she had to guess. Looks like I am the, 5th psychiatrist you've seen during your lifetime? Yeah, but I'm not crazy or anything, Delilah assured him. See, my nana was a therapist, Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Maybe you heard of her? Ah, uh, yes, the poison ivy specialist. That's the one, Lila grinned. Yeah, so she was always sort of our therapist when we were kids but she died when I was fifteen and so my mom made us go see other people. But why so many? Dr. Billings questioned. Um, well, see, mom was always, nervous about it, Delilah attempted to explain. Nervous about us being taken advantage of in one way or another. I was never allowed to see male doctors, and my sister, she's gay, she was never allowed to see female ones. 
but mom always made sure we were in therapy. Mm. Dr. Billings acknowledged, making a quick note. Your mother sounds a bit paranoid. My mother is dead, Delilah snapped, startled at the suddenness of her own tone. And no, she wasn't paranoid. There is a precedent, of both patient-therapist relationships and weird age gaps in my family. My brother married my mom's friend. My condolences for your mother, he offered. She was the gymnast, yes? You'll excuse me, it seems every resident of Gotham is forced to know what the Waynes are up to. Cancer, yes? Yeah, seven months ago. She was, um. Delilah drummed her fingers on her pant leg. She was only 62. Mm. He nodded, making another note before tapping his pen a few times on the paper and looking up at her. How about we put her to bed for a moment? Let's talk about you. Delilah Wayne, how is it being a triplet? I was an only child, so I always wondered. Um. Delilah had to think about that for a moment. It can be hard sometimes I think to, be seen. Because everybody sorta just sees us as the Wayne triplets. So you need something that makes you different. Makes you stand out. Makes you memorable, like Daisy, my sister, she's the gay one, and she definitely isn't shy about that. Plus, she's a club owner and an art dealer and the press loves her because she's hot, gay, and bitchy. And my brother, Terry. He's a boy. That's enough. He's the Wayne boy. Looks just like my dad but he's a little more fun. So, then what are you? I played soccer in college, so I was the athlete, for a while, Lila shrugged. But I'm 38 now. That doesn't really matter anymore. Well. Dr. Billings sat forward slightly. What do you do for work? I help my dad manage the estate, she explained. Actually had to move back in with him after mom died, he was such a wreck. And that's, it's fine, really. I love my dad, but... You're the middle child, Dr. Billings finished for her. You're elusive, make the sacrifices that no one else bothers to, but get none of the credit. Delilah laughed with a distinct nervousness. You make it sound like I should be resentful. Are you resentful? No. No, she assured him. No, mom said I could be anything I wanted to be, and this is what I chose. All I ever wanted was to be part of the family business, and, now I am. I don't, I'm not resentful. I'm grateful. Dr. Billings was smiling at her now, a hint of judgment in his gaze. He hadn't even bothered to make a note that time. Do you have someone special in your life, Delilah? A boyfriend? She tucked a ginger curl behind her ear. I've had them on and off, the last guy was nice, but, we've got a lot of secrets, my family. So you really, really have to trust somebody, and I haven't, met anyone that I trust yet. He raised an eyebrow. So you prioritize your family's privacy over your own happiness? I'm Wayne, doctor. The name always takes precedent. I prioritize it because it's far more important than any individual happiness. Mm. He hummed, looking her over. Watching her body language as she curled inwards on herself. Delilah was feeling a little drained, and tired, then again, she was always tired. Just a symptom of having both a demanding day and night job. 
Are you out of questions? There was once a rather famous psychiatrist in this city that focused on a person's greatest fears. Dr. Billings began. Yeah, his name was Jonathan Crane, and he was a supervillain. Delilah knew her villain's history. Right, Billings granted. But my question, Delilah, is what is your greatest desire? Lila frowned. Like, what do I want? If you could have anything. Yes. I, um. She thought about that for a moment. I'd like to stop saying goodbye to people. Damien, Pamela slammed the oven door shut for probably the 5th time in the last 20 minutes. Every time you do that, the heat escapes. We have a timer for a reason. And Kara, she smacked the blonde's hand away when she reached for yet another fried onion from the top of the green bean casserole. If I let you keep at this, there will be no food left for dinner. But I'm so hungry, Pam, Kara whined. This is why you brought snacks, remember? Pam prompted. Eat your snacks. Fine, Kara pouted, reaching into Pam's purse for a protein bar. Good, now, she just brought her attention back around to Damien when the doorbell rang. Okay, I need to get that, but, Tiffany. Tiffany, hi. She stopped the woman as she attempted to cross through the kitchen. I need to get the door, will you keep an eye on them, please? Oh, um. Pam left before Tiffany could manage a full response. The doorbell rang again on her trip over, which Pam rolled her eyes at. Both because Wayne Manor was much too big, the trip from the kitchen to the door was essentially a trip up the Pacific Crest Trail, and because she'd somehow managed to surround herself with a group of the most impatient people on the planet. Seemed that was a hereditary trait Harley had passed down. Daisy. She smiled once she had the door open, there was a nervousness to her granddaughter's smile that Pam wasn't accustomed to, and went momentarily unexplained until Pam identified the owner of the hand Daisy was clasping. Damien. Pam called back over her shoulder. Daisy brought the Vreeland girl to Thanksgiving. Daisy immediately deflated at the sound of Damien's laugh emanating from inside, and that, yeah right, he added for good measure. The Vreeland girl, a woman, rolled her eyes. You told them I was clingy, didn't you? She turned to Pam before Daisy could respond. She's a commitment-phobe who's broken up with me literally ten times in the last fifteen years. And my name is Sophia, not the Vreeland girl. Veronica was my grandmother, I have two generations of separation. It's nice to finally meet you, Dr. Isley. Pam remained silent for a moment, giving Sophia a thorough look over, before ultimately sighing. Did you have to go with another redhead, Daisy? Oh, go fuck an alien, Grandma, Daisy snapped, the last of her nervous excitement leaving her, replaced with her far more typical haughty depression. You don't have to tell me twice, Pam assured her, opening the door wider. Welcome, Sophia. Dinner's in twenty minutes. She led them into the living room, where Delilah immediately rolled her eyes from the couch where she'd been watching Garth and Tula play. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Good to see you too, Delilah, Sophia responded to what was obviously a comment on her inclusion in the holiday. Seriously, Daisy? Lila bypassed the redhead completely, addressing her sister instead. Out of all the women in Gotham, you had to bring the Vreeland girl? Hey, blame grandma, Daisy defended herself, 
she's the one who told me it's time to stop being a slut. Well, not quite in those terms. Pam muttered, collecting their jackets from them. I just don't get why it has to be her. Lila complained. Terry entered the room then, a beer in his hand, and plopped down next to his sister. She never got over the class president loss, Soph. Mom said she had to win it herself, and she lost, so she internalized that failure, and, because you won, still associates it with you. You're welcome, he finished with a wink, and received a swift punch in the arm. Right, right, Sophia was nodding. That sounds totally rational. Not like that was 22 years ago or anything and we're now fully grown adults. Lila opened her mouth to say something, but Daisy interrupted before she could make a sound. If you whip out the mom would disapprove thing, I'm going to slap you, Delilah. I swear to God. Her mouth snapped shut with some reluctance, hardening her gaze until she chose to speak again. No, Daisy, I wouldn't dare. Can't you retreat into the woods for another three months of pouting while Terry and I act like, you know, adults? Oh you daddy's girl motherf, Daisy started to launch in, her tone venomous, before she was interrupted by a spray of water that exploded from the bottle in her sister's hand, spraying Delilah as well. Terry laughed, giving Garth a thumbs up. Good work, buddy. Well. Pam cleared her throat. I suppose I'll leave you to your seemingly complex dynamics. Dinner's in twenty minutes, she repeated, heading back towards the kitchen. Kara was evidently munching on her second protein bar, judging by the wrappers, her hands simultaneously reaching into a bag of cheddar bunnies. I applaud you for not burning down the house, Pam offered to Damien, who had pulled a chair directly in front of the oven to watch the turkey through the viewing window. Any idea what's going on with Delilah? She seems stressed. That suicide wave is still ongoing and I think she might be sleeping with her therapist, Damien answered with some distraction, eyes still trained on the turkey. Wait, what? Kara asked, her mouth full of cheddar bunnies. Can't know for sure. He murmured, wrapping his hand around the oven handle, looking like he was using all his willpower to allow it to remain closed. He's just had a, uh, profound influence on her. Pam crossed her arms, unimpressed. And your first assumption is that she's sleeping with him? No, not my first. My fourth, he told her, biting his lip as the timer counted down through the final seconds, and wrenching the door open as soon as it beeped. Thank fucking God. Damien carved the turkey while Anthony supervised and Karen supervised him. Pam clinked on her glass with her spoon, getting everyone's attention where she sat at the end of the table next to Kara and stood up with her water glass in hand. I'd like to say a few words, if that's all right, she announced. Tula clapped excitedly, like maybe her speech would contain some grand announcement, which made Kara giggle. Great, Pam smiled. Well, I've been known to be a little long-winded, so I'll try to keep this short. Yes, please, Daisy encouraged. Delilah threw a napkin at her from across the table. And Pam sighed before beginning. First, I'd like to thank Damien for, again, welcoming us all into his home. The fact was, Pam had essentially demanded that everyone attend to help combat Damien's obvious loneliness. But she allowed Damien to believe it was he who was doing them a favor instead. Which was fine by Pam, 
she was taking care of Damien, just as she'd been asked, and honestly, the years had helped to dull some of his more undesirable traits, in Pam's opinion. Or maybe he'd always had that capacity, Joe had obviously seen something in him at a young age, perhaps Pam just hadn't given him his due. Didn't matter anyway. They were all here now. And Terry, Marina, and the kids, I'm so glad you chose to join us on the surface for a bit. I would ask if you're grateful it smells less like fish up here, but between Daisy, Sophia, Kara, and I. Terry snorted. Was that for mom? I'm trying to make up the quota, Pam explained. Karen, it's so wonderful to see you, she pivoted. I'm so glad you could make it out here. It's been far too long. I could go around the table and thank each one of you for coming, but in the interest of time, let me just say that I never thought I would look forward to the holidays. Even when Anthony and Joe were little, I went into them with notable trepidation, but after the loss we experienced recently, I can't think of anything more healing than getting to see all of your beautiful faces in one place. So, thank you. Truly. This is such a wonderful gift. Cheers to you all. Cheers to family. Anthony amended, raising his glass. Right, Pam smiled, watching as the rest raised their glasses as well before she finally sat back down in her seat. Okay, okay, Anthony began from his place on the couch after they'd finished with dinner and dessert, Kara having taken care of what everyone else couldn't finish. Best to worst Wayne Manor Thanksgivings. Go. Damien scoffed. You expect me to come up with a definitive list? For the worst, I submit the one where Jason showed up completely inebriated, Pam got the ball rolling, tenderly adjusting Kara's head where the blonde lay on her shoulder, snoring softly. No way, Anthony disagreed. That was like Karen's most romantic moment, he leaned over to kiss her on the nose, which she affectionately rolled her eyes at. That was one of the best. The best, possibly. I'm inclined to agree with Anthony, Damien decided. Pam was surprised at that. Why? Because Selena cooked a good turkey? Well, that was part of it, he said. But Jason Todd actually managed to be the ultimate wingman that night. That asshole basically showed up wearing a t-shirt that said, Damien is a better alternative. Anthony laughed. Dude, it took her like another three years to figure that out. Dude, Damien mocked. She was sixteen. Would have been illegal for her to figure it out any sooner. Pam chuckled at that, her eyes wandering from Damien to Delilah, where she stood in the doorway, her eyes slightly out of focus, staring blankly ahead. Excuse me, Pam murmured, gently guiding Kara's head onto the arm of the couch so that she could stand. Hi, she rested her hand on Delilah's shoulder to get her attention, and the younger woman jumped at the contact, startled. A bit jumpy, aren't you? Are you okay? Yeah, I, sorry, Lila apologized. Was I in your way? No. Pam smiled, leaning against the wall. I wanted to know what was on your mind. You seem a bit preoccupied. Delilah shook her head. I didn't mean that earlier, with Daisy. It's just, I can't believe she told Sophia everything. I've, I've never told anyone. And she just goes and tells Sophia. Pam glanced over to where Daisy and Sophia were playing cards with Duke and Tiffany at one of the coffee tables. I think it's an important step forward for them, Pam decided. 
and I think it's good she's finally giving monogamy a try. It's not so bad, once you find the right person. And it's absolutely fine that you haven't found that person yet. Delilah scoffed. You make it sound like I'm looking. Aren't you? There's no time. Not with this case, she muttered angrily, though her anger clearly wasn't directed at Pam. Don't even have time to sleep, let alone date. It's twelve people now, Grandma. Twelve people have committed suicide in the last two months. Twelve children of Gotham's richest families. Dead. Pam frowned. Were they really all children? Well, no. No, the youngest was fifteen, Delilah clarified. Oldest was thirty-five, but I just mean, we know these people. We see them at all the galas, I grew up with them. The fifteen-year-old was the daughter of a girl I went to school with. So, is that the only common thread? Pam asked. Their family's wealth? I mean, the other commonalities are just symptoms of their wealth, Lila crossed her arms. Like, they all belonged to equestrian clubs, they were all enrolled in some form of psychotherapy, they all had investments in Gotham-based companies, or at least their families did. Pam squinted, thinking. I trust they were all seeing different therapists? No, not all of them, Delilah admitted. There are really only a handful of qualified mental health professionals in Gotham. Especially ones that cater to that type of client. Most of them were either seeing Dr. Billings or Dr. Singh, but I've been seeing Dr. Billings for months and he's been nothing but helpful. I can't see his therapy resulting in. Delilah, Pam interrupted. What's Dr. Singh's first name? She looked confused. William. Why? What's a nickname for William? Pam prompted. Um, Will? Lila guessed. Billy, Bill. Pam arched her brow, speaking slowly. Dr. Bill sings. Bill sings. Delilah searched Pam's face with her icy blue gaze for a moment before her eyes went wide with realization and she immediately buried her face in her hands. Fuck me. It's a fucking anagram. You didn't let him, did you? Lila tore her hands from her face. Let him, F, no. God, that's disgusting. Why would you even, never mind, Delilah cut herself off with a firm shake of her head. I'm officially an idiot. She left Pam then, yanking Damien out of his chair and to his feet, announcing, we've got work to do. Duke, Tiff, you too. Duke sighed as he rose from his seat, helping Tiffany out of hers as well. And here I thought I'd get one night off. Guys, we're in the middle of a hand. Daisy complained. You can't just. Kara and I can step in, Pam offered. Kara sat groggily upright at the sound of her name. What do I miss? You wanna lose some money? Daisy extended the invitation, nodding to the bedding pile in the middle of the table. Oh, no, not really, Kara smiled, rising from the couch, the sleep clearing quickly from her eyes. I'll win some, though. If that's all right with you. Daisy chuckled. Whatever you say, Danvers. Pam chose not to remind her overconfident granddaughter that the Kryptonian power set included X-ray vision. You'll have a backup in 15 minutes. Tiffany is on her way over. 
Delilah hesitated at the edge of the wood, watching his orange and black costume disappear into the trees. Should I continue my pursuit? Yes, Damien instructed through her calm, we can't lose him. Copy that, she exhaled, starting a sprint after him. Twilight was the worst time for visibility. Difficult to see with normal eyesight, but still too light for Delilah to turn on her night vision. She was thankful there was so much orange on his costume, he didn't exactly camouflage to his surroundings, and at that thought, she caught sight of him up ahead, taking a sharp right into the thicker woods. He didn't have much further to go that way, as the cliff dropped off into the ocean in another quarter mile. It's over, Billings, she called out, her modulated voice swallowed up by the dark trees and the sound of the waves crashing onto the rock somewhere below. We know who you are. I'm glad that makes you feel superior, his voice echoed back to her, seeming to come from all sides. But you haven't caught me yet. Keep him talking. It'll slow him down. Delilah didn't know about that, his voice was strange, and wasn't helping her narrow down a direction. But father knows best, right? I don't get you, doctor, she tried to bait him. You're supposed to be helping people. How could you take advantage of them? They trusted you. His laugh was eerie, reverberating off the rocks that littered the ground. Ah, uh, you want to be my therapist now? Is that it? Actually my degree in graphic design, she corrected. I'm basically useless, unless, hey, do you need a logo? I didn't see one on your chest. He laughed again, sounding nearer now, so she slowed to a stop in a small clearing, spinning in a quick circle. I could do this all night, Billings. Why don't you save us both some trouble? Yes, why don't I? She turned just in time to see a bright flash of light explode in front of her eyes, the strength momentarily blinding her, leaving her stumbling and disoriented. What was that? I don't, I don't know, she was blinking, her vision slowly returning, and he was gone. She was alone. Is he there? No, no, I don't think so. She looked between the trees where she'd seen him crouching just before the light. Must have been a distraction. I'm sure he's headed back the other way. An overwhelming quiet descended upon the forest then, the shadows of the trees growing longer, finger-like in the descending dusk. Dad, I… It's fine, Damien interrupted what was going to be her apology. If he's headed back out, Tiffany will cut him off at the entrance. Delilah was just about to curse herself when a voice stopped her. A woman's voice. Hey there, Delilah. The hair on the back of her neck stood up, a shiver running down her spine. She knew that voice. When she turned, slowly, oh so slowly, she found her grandmother sitting in her wheelchair at the edge of the clearing. A smile on her face. Nana. Repeat that. You must be looking for the spandex guy. Harley continued, pushing herself forward a few feet. What was his? She frowned, thinking. See, I can't remember his name because the idiot doesn't have a logo other than all those. Spirals, what was, what was his name, again? Spiral guy, she called over her shoulder. Delilah was cemented to the spot, petrified, cold sweat running down her face behind her mask. It's Spellbinder, Ma, Joe told her with, notable annoyance in her tone, like she'd already told her a million times, 
as she stepped out from the tree line. M, Mom? Lila breathed, afraid it would scare her away if she spoke any louder. Delilah, what are you talking about? Joe was dressed in a pair of jeans and her Live Strong, I Beat Cancer, t-shirt. The one Delilah used to take as pajamas on sleepovers when she was little to feel less homesick. She ran a hand through her hair, smiling. Hi, baby. Delilah, what's going on? Mom's here. She murmured. Mom and Nana. What do you mean they're there? I mean they're, there. Put on your vid link. Delilah obeyed, her fingers shaking as she fumbled to switch on the camera in her mask. Joe was walking towards her now, the shadows of nightfall shading her face, so all that shone forth were her gleaming green eyes and bright white teeth. Delilah. He's coming right for you. No, that's, it's mom. Holy sh, that's how he does it. Damien realized. Delilah, this is how he's controlling people. He's feeding them hallucinations. The suicides are forced. No, but. Let's take this mask off, baby. Get that nasty voice out of your ear. Joe cooed, her smile comforting now that it was closer, warm and compassionate. And again, Delilah did what she was told. She'd always done what she was told. Though, without her mask, she had no microphone, no speaker, no hope for communication. Joe ran her hand lovingly down her daughter's bare cheek after she'd retracted her mask. I love your new suit. It's, I changed my color, Delilah told her, resisting the urge to close her eyes at the familiar feeling of her mom's smooth hands, remembering how she would cup her face and press a firm kiss to her forehead. It's red now, like Nana's. Harley laughed. I think she wears it better than I did. Joe smiled, pressing that kiss to her forehead now, whispering, I do too, against her skin. Delilah, my prettiest girl, my happiest baby. She moved back to look her daughter in the eye when she said, my favorite. No, that's, Lila felt the pressure of tears mounting behind her eyes. That's not true. You, Daisy. Joe chuckled. Daisy? What did Daisy ever do for me? I, I don't. Nothing, Joe whispered, wrapping her arms around Delilah's back, pulling her into a warm embrace, which was quickly and readily returned. Not a thing, she didn't even come to my funeral. Delilah stiffened at that. Funeral. You're dead, she muttered, pulling back. You're, you're dead. You're him. Joe cocked her head with apparent curiosity, or pity, perhaps. You don't want to have to say goodbye to me again, do you? You're not real, she repeated the sentiment with a shake of her head, trying to firmly convince herself of the fact. This is just another game. But, she even smelled just like her, no. Stop it. Mom is dead. Mom is dead and so is Nana. Delilah pulled her nunchucks from her belt. This was Billings. And this was going to end here. Joe's eyes strayed to the weapon. You're going to hit me with that? Delilah's heart was ramming against her ribs. Yes. A sadness passed through Joe's eyes, like she was resigning herself to this reality, it reminded Delilah of the look on her face when she told them her diagnosis. Would you like me like this?
Joe asked, indicating her outfit. Or. A light suddenly exploded from her hand, one just like before, blinding Delilah once more. And when her vision finally returned, Hellbat was standing before her, though her mask was off so that her face was still visible in the moonlight. It's not her, it's not her, it's not her, it's not her, Delilah swung her nunchucks, starting with a quick assault, the weapon cracking down on her mother's skull. Joe crumbled to her knees, though she grabbed for a rock when Delilah raised her hand for another strike, swinging upwards and knocking Delilah squarely in. The jaw and onto her back. Joe moved quickly then, making up the ground and climbing over her, taking the rock with her and raising it above her head for another crushing blow. But with her position extended like that, Delilah was able to land two quick jabs, one to her trachea and the other to her temple, the second of which left her dazed enough for Delilah to reverse their positions. She was quicker with her weapon, and the crack that sounded out as she once again brought the nunchuck down on Joe's skull echoed through the clearing. Blood spilled down her forehead from the gash, her strawberry blonde hair matted into the wound. Tears gathered in her eyes, their green shimmering in the moonlight. Please don't hurt me. Delilah's hand clenched tighter around her weapon, and she swung again, undeterred. This one sunk her cheekbone into her face. Please. Don't hurt me, baby. You're not real. Delilah screamed, breaking her teeth and her jaw and the rest of her face, until the gurgling and pleading ceased and Joe stopped flinching at the blows. Delilah's eyes shot up at the sound of crying beside her, and she found that Harley was still there, sitting in her wheelchair, hiding her eyes from the horror playing out before her. No. No, Nana, look. Look, she's not real. Lila assured her. Here, look, she ripped her gloves off to tear at Joe's face with her bare hands, as her gloves weren't sharp enough to clear the skin away. It was a mask. It was only a mask. This wasn't real, none of it was real. But the feel of the skin beneath her nails as she ripped it felt real, and the green eyes that stared up at her still looked familiar, and the warmth of the blood that now covered her hands was mighty convincing. She's not real, Nana. Hot tears spilled down her cheeks as she started at Joe's neck now, clawing her costume off to expose more skin. Skin that was soft and tanned, skin that smelled like lilacs on a warm spring day. Skin that felt, looked and smelled like her mother's. Her scratching slowed to a stop, but Harley was still crying, and Joe was still beneath her. M, Mom? Jesus Christ, Tiffany breathed from the other side of the clearing. Delilah, what did you? It was difficult to see in the darkness now, especially through her tears, but the pink on Tiffany's costume lit the clearing in a soft light. Meaning Delilah could clearly see the terrified expression on Tiffany's face when she retracted her mask. It's her, Tiff, it's not, tell me it's not her, panic and bile rose in Delilah's throat. Tell me it's not really her. Tell me I didn't hurt her. Tiffany was frozen to the spot, like she didn't dare take a step further. Delilah, that's not, who is her? Why would you do that? Harley sobbed. Why did you hurt her? She never hurt you. No, Nana. I didn't. Lila yelled in her direction. I would never. I promise. Tiffany followed Delilah's eyes, staring for a moment, right at Harley. Right through Harley.
Delilah, she said in a harsh whisper, fear evident in her voice. We have to go now. Strong arms wrapped around Delilah's shoulders and she was dragged off the body and into the trees, skin and blood caked under her nails. I've got Batwoman, Tiffany panted as she yanked Delilah, kicking and sobbing, out of the forest. And we need someone down here to clean up the body. Chapter 89 Tiffany glanced nervously over at Delilah where she shook in the passenger seat. She had her arms wrapped tightly around her shoulders, her knees clamped together, and her eyes remained wide and stricken. Like she'd seen a ghost. Which, judging by what she'd been screaming as Tiffany dragged her back to the car, she actually might have. Delilah's face was splashed with blood, and her bare hands were covered in it. She'd evidently left her gloves at the scene. What H? Tiffany's first attempt at conversation was cut off when the phone rang out through the interior of the Batmobile. Delilah jolted at the sound, like she was expecting something to leap out at her from the stereo. So Tiffany answered quickly, recognizing Duke's avatar. Am I a speaker? Put me on speaker, he said immediately. Yeah, you're. Delilah, what the fuck, he cut Tiffany off as soon as he had his answer. This is the most, what is this? Where the fuck is his face? Lila's shoulders shook under some invisible weight, new tears spilling down her cheeks, smudging mixing with the dried blood there. Tiffany also noticed, for the first time since she'd found her, that not all the blood had belonged to Billings, there was a jagged gash running nearly the length of Delilah's cheek. Should I send Max out to help? Tiffany asked Duke when Delilah didn't respond. Hell no, Duke said, sounding almost offended. I don't want Max seeing this. Okay, we're headed back to the house, Tiffany told him, not giving him the chance to speak to Delilah again. He clearly wasn't helping her mental state. Meet us back at the cave when you're done. I'm taking Lila to Damien. Tiffany helped Delilah out of her suit as soon as they exited the car. It would need a thorough washing, the suit and the interior of the Batmobile. She tossed the blood-stained suit in the corner rather than hanging it up like usual, and went to get Delilah some comfortable clothes to throw on over her spandex and sports bra. In her haste, Tiffany grabbed the first thing from Delilah's rack, which happened to be Joe's old Stanford sweatshirt, which Delilah sometimes liked to wear after her shifts, even though Joe had specifically said, Tiffany, please don't let them fetishize my clothing. It gets weird. But Delilah had been so sad for so long, and it seemed to comfort her, and Joe was dead, so she didn't get to judge what was weird or not anymore. Let Delilah do what she had to do to get better, that's what Tiffany said, anyway. This time, though, when Tiffany handed her the sweatshirt, Delilah backed away from it, so fast she slammed into the wall behind them with painful force, and immediately raised her hand to plug her nose. Although that only made matters worse, as her hands were still covered in Billing's now tacky blood. Delilah was preparing to vomit when Damien entered the room, nearly at a run, or as fast as he could muster on sixty-nine-year-old legs. Christ, Lila, I thought I lost you, he pulled his daughter into a firm embrace, holding her fast to his chest, not seeming to care about the blood. I shouldn't have listened to her, I shouldn't have listened, I shouldn't have listened, she sobbed into his shoulder. I just am, missed her so am, much. Damien didn't respond, his jaw instead clenched resolutely as he held her. I r, I ripped her f, face, I ripped her face right oh, 
off, she heaved. And Nana was C, crying when I, left. Blinking, Damien turned to look at Tiffany. You removed her from the scene before the hallucination wore off. Tiffany swallowed at his tone. Well, I, yes, she said. Yeah, she was, Damien, she was out of control. I had to get her out of there. He forcefully separated himself from Delilah, who was still clinging tightly to him, so that he could look her in the eye. Delilah, you know who you killed, don't you? It was Mwai, Mom, she cried, gripping his arms, not allowing him to completely let go. There was just more S, skin underneath, it wasn't a mask, she's under my F, fingernails. God damn it, Tiffany, he growled. She needed to see if it was his body. You should have briefed me, Damien. Tiffany defended herself. I had no idea what I was walking into. Damien shook his head, pulling Delilah close again, cradling her head against his shoulder. It wasn't real, he murmured. None of it was real. He didn't think. You'd fight her, that's why he did that. But you were brave, and smart, and that's why you're standing here right now. He hurt a lot of other people because they couldn't tell the difference. I didn't want to fight her, Delilah heaved. I know that. He soothed. But you didn't. You fought him, and you won. Delilah had to sleep, Damien knew that much. She'd been crying and hyperventilating and shaking on a loop for the past few hours, and finally, she'd fallen asleep on the couch in Harleen's old office. Luckily Pam had come to collect the photos that had once stood on the desk after Joe died, so Delilah wasn't in danger of being triggered again. Damien thought about moving her up to her room, but he didn't want to risk waking her, and that was a long way for him to carry her. She wasn't a child anymore, she was a woman, and a rather tall, muscular one at that. A few years ago it wouldn't have been a problem, but Damien felt like he'd aged ten years in the time between Joe's diagnosis and her death. He was constantly having to push the thoughts that he'd died along with her out of his head, remembering how that mentality had affected Selena. How it had ultimately been the end of her. So he used Pamela for an example instead. An example of how to keep on existing even when you've lost what you thought was everything. An example of how to learn to appreciate the other gifts you've been given. Like your children and your grandchildren. And Delilah, and Daisy, and Terry, Garth and Tula, they were worth it. And not only because they were all he had left of Joe. That's why he'd loved them at first, because they were theirs, they were hers, it's why he'd come back after his moment of weakness. He'd come back for her. But day by day, he'd learned to stay for them. And that's what he was doing now. Remaining. He sent a text to Duke telling him to check on Delilah when he got in, and then went to bed. Joe used to kill people all the time. She never lost any sleep over it, he reminded himself. Delilah will be fine. She wasn't, though. Not by a long shot. At 2.43 a.m., Damien was awoken by a motion sensor alert. Someone was moving on the property. Damien frowned, sitting up and swinging his legs over the side of the bed to pull the monitor closer. Facial recognition told him it was Delilah, and she was making her way across the east lawn in a hurry, dragging something behind her. Rubbing the sleep from his eyes, Damien turned on the camera that would give him the best view of his daughter as she exited the lawn. 
The night vision lens he was watching her through made her eyes glow eerily, and he had to squint to discern what it was she was dragging, but once he did, her direction began to make sense. It was a shovel. And she was headed towards the family cemetery. No. Damien shot up from the bed, neglecting shoes and a jacket, despite it being the onest tea of December, as he ran down the winding stairway to the main landing, and then down the grand marble staircase to the main floor, where he then sprinted out the front door. Unfortunately, he'd been in too much of a hurry to shut down the security measures that were set into motion when Delilah failed to key in her nighttime. Access code. He was tripped up by a wire first, and then immediately hit with a flurry of beanbags. Two of which he dodged, but three of which he was pelted with, two in the side and one in the neck. Damien gasped for air, crawling on his knees over the cold grass. And that was only the first wave. It took him an hour to make the two-mile trip, having to take a series of detours to avoid the security that Delilah had been able to bypass more easily thanks to her agility and evident determination. She was down to the coffin by the time he arrived, panting, dirty, battered and bruised. Delilah, the cold air burned his lungs. Don't do this. Delilah jumped down into the hole like she hadn't even heard him, bringing the shovel with her, jamming the tip into the hinge and working it open like one would use a crowbar. Lila, please. Damien forced himself forward, his feet like bricks of solid ice. Let her rest. She's in there. You know she's in there. No I don't, she was crying again, exhausted from the exertion of digging six feet under. I just need to see her, I just need to, the real her, I need to see her. Damien heard the crack of the seal, and was hit with a smell so putrid he had to swallow down the bile that immediately shot up his throat in reaction. He bent over as he gagged, and gagged again, his eyes stinging, watering at the rancid aroma. Delilah recovered a bit quicker, plugging her nose and staring down into the now-open coffin. Are you happy now? Damien yelled, coughing on the smell of his rotting wife. Seen all you need to see? She's dead, Delilah. She's been dead. For seven months she's been wasting away in that fucking box. Now let. Her. Rest. Delilah shut her eyes tight, then opened them again repeating the process another three times before attempting to speak. The words died on her tongue in her first attempt, but in her second, she managed to force out the words, I don't know. And that's when Damien understood what she needed from him. Her silent question. Delilah didn't trust herself. She'd been tricked, cruelly, and when your reality is bent, trusting your eyes can seem an impossible task. Please don't make me look at her, Damien whispered. Dad, tears trickled down Delilah's cheeks. I saw her tonight. I killed her. She hugged me and I killed her. Damien could see the fear in his daughter's eyes, the unadulterated panic. All of his children had loved their mother, but none as purely as Delilah had. No one loved anything as purely or as completely as Delilah did. And at that moment, she seemed so small. Like the little girl who'd crawl into her sister's bed at night because she was so afraid of being alone, needed someone to cling to. And now, Delilah needed to know the monsters under her bed weren't real. Joe would look, if it were him in that coffin. He knew she would. I know they're grown-ups and everything, but they're still going to need a dad, you know, she murmured beside him in the lamplight, 
I'm 62 years old and I still cried myself to sleep the other night because my mom hung up on me, she laughed mirthlessly. God, I'm such a fucking cry baby. I don't know why you say that, he exhaled. I don't remember ever seeing you cry before this bullshit. Except for at the beginning when you were playing a game. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean I didn't do it, she mumbled. It's easier to suffer in silence. Damien propped himself up on his elbow, looking down at her. So what does it mean that you're crying in front of me now? Joe smiled softly, reaching a gentle hand up to trail it down his cheek, probably that I'm really sick. Delilah was really sick. So with all the courage he possessed, Damien straightened himself up to his full height. You have a million memories of her, he reminded himself as he circled around the disturbed grave. You don't have to remember her like this. But Damien knew, as soon as he was brave enough to look downwards, that he would never, ever, be able to scrub this image from his memory. It would remain there, seared, until the day he died. Seemed her plant pigment had finally come in, or perhaps that was just the color of decomposition, as her skin was a sickly green color, and appeared vacuum-packed, stretched thin and tight over the stringy bellies of her muscles. Each ligament was highlighted in a striated pronouncement of what had once looked organic. Her hair and fingernails had continued to grow after they'd buried her, the nails yellow and hair white at the roots. Damien no longer felt relief at the idea these past months had been restful for her, as her expression had somehow twisted. Into one of anguish, her face contorting as the skin stretched in some patches and tightened in others, her cheeks gaunt and hollowed, eye sockets empty. Her lips were all but gone as well, likely eaten away by the worm that slithered through the holes of what remained the skin pulled back from her teeth. And that's when Damien began to cry, sinking to his knees, hot tears dripping through his frozen fingers as he buried his face in his hands. Please get some sleep, he whispered, pressing a kiss to the cold skin of her forehead before standing back and adjusting the silver metal around her neck one last time. He gripped the wooden lid of the coffin, hard enough to turn his knuckles white, and in one swift movement, closed it on her. Delilah slammed the lid shut, treating her father's tears as a positive identification, and climbed out of the grave with notable haste, sniveling, I'm sorry, before starting at a sprint down the path, not back up to the house, but into the woods before the road. Pam inhaled deeply, enjoying the smell of what must have been baby shampoo for one more serene moment before reluctantly unwrapping her arm from around Kara's waist, and twisting towards the nightstand for her vibrating cell phone. Honestly, Damien, she rumbled into the receiver, her voice gravely with sleep. My alarm is due to ring in thirty minutes. Could whatever this is not have waited until then? He swallowed on the other end of the line, and when he spoke, his voice sounded raw, like someone had taken a whittling knife to his vocal cords. Are you in Gotham? No, I'm in National City. She sat up against the headboard, concerned now. Is everything all right? No, he murmured, like he was too exhausted to deliver it any other way. No it's not. Delilah, she's checked herself into Arkham. Pam turned the bedside lamp on, forcing Kara to finally acknowledge the fact that this was their alarm clock. She what? We finally tracked down our man for that suicide case. The guy, Billings, called himself Spellbinder, Damien said, and just from his voice she could tell he was rubbing his temple. 
He led Delilah into the woods, made her see some things that weren't really there, so she murdered him. Bludgeoned him to death and then scratched his face off. Delilah did that? Things didn't get much better once we got her home. He continued. But I don't want to get into that right now. How soon can you be back in Gotham? Pam was already getting up, yanking open one of the drawers Kara had donated to her and pulling out a pair of jeans. I'll be on the next flight. Whatever this is, Damien, we'll figure it out, okay? I don't care what she did, there's no reason for her to be in a place like that. It was a moment before he responded. I'm not so sure about that, Pamela. Chapter 90 Duke said Pam would find Damien in the graveyard, and find him she did, shoveling dirt into Joe's now uncovered grave. Gaia, Pam plugged her nose upon arrival. What is that smell? Seven months of decomposition, he answered flatly, digging in for another shovelful of dirt. Pam was horrified, looking from Damien, to the headstone, to the three feet of depth he was attempting to make up. Damien, what did you do? I don't know, he stopped to wipe the sweat from his brow. My best? It's been a long night, Pamela. He resumed his work. What, Pam cleared her throat. What happened here? Damien sighed heavily. Like I said on the phone, things didn't exactly get better once she came home. But it's funny, isn't it? He kicked a clump of soil into the hole. Funny to realize the things we can and can't handle. Harleen couldn't stand the thought of you in pain, unless it was her doing the hurting. Selena could run from my father, but couldn't stand the thought of him not being there to chase her. Joe could dream about being raped, but couldn't handle her dreams being crushed. I could decapitate my biological mother, but couldn't say goodbye to my father, Delilah could dig up her mother's grave, but couldn't stand the thought that perhaps she'd put her there. He stuck his shovel upright in the dirt. What couldn't you do, Pamela? Where was your limit? Pam swallowed. I have a lot of limits, Damien. Mm. He hummed, smiling wistfully at her in what Pam thought was an odd reaction given the circumstances. They have her on a 72-hour hold. Won't allow any visitors or phone calls until that's up. So I guess my call was a bit premature. No, I was coming back today anyway, Pam excused his apology. And I love my granddaughter, Damien. I'm as concerned as you are. He picked up the shovel once more. I appreciate that. 79 years prior, when Pamela traveled down this long, winding road, littered with dips and potholes that the city simply refused to repave, she promised herself it would be the last time. That trip in Selena's Porsche had symbolized a new beginning for her. The end of a long and difficult era. And yet. Here she was. In a Porsche, though this one flew. With another Catwoman in the driver's seat, Wildcat because Daisy insisted on being stubborn. Traveling up that long, winding road this time towards that dark, looming structure that sat atop the hill overlooking the city, rather than away from it. Harley had always said it was important to face your demons, but this one, this one Pam had liked the idea of staying away from. Daisy ran a nervous hand through her hair once she lowered the car to the ground, but made no move to get out. She'd cut her hair short soon after she graduated high school, as that's when she began to occupy most of her time with her night job. It had eventually become too much of a nuisance to wear under her cowl so she'd cut it short, 
in a similar style as Selena had worn. When she was little, Daisy's hair and skin tone had been identical to her sister's, but as time passed and she matured, her hair had changed from a caryesque orange to a caramel brown, and she traded in her freckles for a tan. The Isley Quinzel influence had remained obvious in Delilah, while Terry had always been the spitting image of his father, making Daisy perhaps the most perfect marriage between Joe and Damien. On that day 79 years ago, there was no way Pamela could have even conceived of a world in which she'd have a hand in a generation of Waynes. Then again, Pamela also doubted she could have conceived of even having children of her own. Thinking of their spouses already would have been almost comically premature. But here Pamela was with her granddaughter. A Wayne. A thief and an anti-hero. And here they were visiting yet another of Pamela's Waynes. A hero. And a patient at Arkham Asylum. Are you, like, gonna be okay with this? Daisy ventured, nodding up at the building. I mean, is there any way I can help make it easier? You're helping just being here, Pam smiled at her, though it was admittedly weak. She didn't want to admit how fast her heart was beating, how clammy her palms were, how genuinely afraid she was to face this part of her past, but if there was one thing that Pamela had learned in the 79 years since she left here, it was that sometimes you have to get out of your own way and step aside for the people you love. And Pamela loved Delilah. Loved her since the day she pulled her out of the incubation tank and handed her off to her daughter. Let's go. Daisy nodded, popping the door open and exiting the vehicle, Pam in tow. And as Pam followed her granddaughter up the steps toward her former prison, she was reminded of the day she was released from Justice League quarantine after. Her mutation. Remembered how Joe had shouted with excitement at the sight of her, and ran, nearly toppling both of them onto the ground with the force of her hug. Pam remembered the quiet relief in Harley's eyes and Anthony's nervous embrace, and she remembered how good it felt to know people were out there for her. People who loved her. People who'd missed her while she was away. People who were praying she'd get better. That's what she wanted Delilah to feel. Supported. Held. Missed. She wanted to save her from the fate she'd suffered as a young woman. That feeling of overwhelming loneliness that had so quickly soured into resentment. Delilah was simply too good. Name? Daisy Wayne, here to visit Delilah Wayne. Relation? Re, lady, do you have any idea how much money my mother dumped into this shithole? Daisy seemed a little on edge. They're sisters, Pam took over, now the calmer of the two. And I'm her cousin. Name? The guard raised an eyebrow, stylus poised. Pamela wet her lips. Priscilla Danvers. Do you need our IDs? Nah. The woman filled out their visitors' badges. I recognized that one when you came in, she nodded up at Daisy. Daisy rolled her eyes, snatching the badges away from her, and handing Pam hers. The guard was grinning. Head through the scanner over there, if you check out, you can proceed to the visitor area. Thank you, Pam offered, grabbing Daisy's arm and pulling her towards the body scanner. Answering simple questions outright sometimes makes the world go faster. Yeah, well, mom said we could all choose one annoying rich kid thing, and I chose entitlement, so, it is what it is, Daisy responded in a harsh whisper, reluctantly removing her jewelry so they'd allow her through the metal detector. Taking off her wedding and engagement ring, Pam asked, what was Terry's?
He popped his collar a few times, so mom revoked the option, Daisy explained, walking through without issue. Pam got a strange look from the guard manning the monitor. Her bones and internal organs tended to glow oddly in x-rays. But, luckily, the security was just as lazy as Pam remembered, and they were allowed through without incident. She'd never had visitors when she was a patient at Arkham, so, honestly, she hadn't even been aware there was a visitor's room. She supposed they'd deemed Delilah violent for some reason, as the room they were led into was divided down the middle by a thick glass wall. Pam was honestly just happy she didn't have to see Delilah in a cell, though. She was wearing a straitjacket. Yikes, Daisy said immediately upon Delilah entering the room on the other side of the glass. That ain't a good look, sis. I told them I killed her but I wouldn't say who or where, Lila mumbled in response, her eyes trained on the buckles of her straitjacket. She swallowed. Like she was gathering up courage, before saying, Sorry I dug her up, Grandma. Do you, accept my apology? Pam blinked. Well, in a perfect world, you would have left my daughter's grave undisturbed. Of course I do, sweetheart. Do you? Delilah slowly, reluctantly, raised her eyes to meet Pam's green ones. Think Nana Harley will? Someday? Daisy tilted her head, puzzled by the question. Um, we don't really have to care about what Nana Harley thinks anymore, Lila. No offense, Grandma. Pam excused her with a slight nod, her gaze remaining trained on Delilah's wide, watery eyes. Honey, Nana Harley never crossed paths with you for a day in her life. I'm sure if she were here now, she'd bring herself to understand the mental state you were in. Everyone does things they regret, especially under duress. Harley knew that better than anyone. I just don't want her to hate me, Lila mumbled, leaning her head against the glass. Pam and Daisy glanced at each other, both wearing looks of confusion and concern. Honey, who's your doctor? Pam wondered. I'm claustrophobic, Delilah complained rather than answering the question, jerking her shoulder uncomfortably. I don't like this anymore. Okay, look, Daisy moved close to the glass. Without a body, they can't prove you actually killed anyone. So just calm down, lay low, and we'll have you out of here by the end of business tomorrow. Oh, Delilah glanced up at her sister. No, I can't leave. She sounded surprised that Daisy would even suggest such a thing. I killed someone, like a criminal. Daisy. And then I dug up mom's grave, like an insane person. This is Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane. I'm exactly where I need to be. Gaia, she actually, believes in the system. And that realization was even more jarring than the rest. More unbelievable than Pam marrying her doctor, or having children that both married superheroes, or having a grandson that lived in Atlantis, or the fact that she'd considered Bruce Wayne a good friend, or that she was now dating a super, yeah, no, the most disturbing revelation was that Poison Ivy had a granddaughter that believed in the system so thoroughly she'd actually checked herself into Arkham. How the hell did that happen? If that's what you think is best, Pam said, in a response that surprised even her. Um. Daisy started to say. Pam closed her eyes, taking a deep breath, pressing on before she could think better of it. Delilah, if this is where you feel safest right now, then I won't immediately ask to have you removed. But I do have a few stipulations.
Did you? Bring your listening ears, she wasn't sure how far Delilah had regressed, just knew that she evidently thought Harley was still alive and well. My best ones, Delilah assured her, seemingly without irony. I guess that answers that. There are secrets that need to be kept, Pam began. Important secrets that profoundly affect each and every person you hold dear. Yeah, I know, Delilah mumbled. I'll be careful. Now, that fact will make it difficult for you to fulfill my next request, but this one is just as important. You have to allow your doctors to help you, Pam mandated. If you truly believe you belong here, then the goal has to be to get out of here. Do you understand me? This is not a permanent state of being. This is not your home. This is a pit stop on the road to a better life and a healthier mind. Because this, she indicated Lila in her straitjacket. This isn't an origin story. This was a mistake. And there is nothing empowering about letting a mistake snowball. Pam reached out and placed her hand on the glass. You are a kind girl, Delilah. With a big heart. Who I know was raised to understand that no one is all good or all evil. Shadows exist that we have to learn to cope with. I work every day to overcome mine, just like your Nana Harley did, and just like your mother did. Welcome to the club, kiddo. But don't let this stop you. Promise me you won't. Delilah moved to rest her face where Pam's hand was pressing against the glass, as obviously she couldn't raise her own. Okay, Grandma. I promise. Kara was jolted awake by the slamming of the front door, and sat up on the couch in a hurry. She hadn't meant to fall asleep, she'd meant to order food and set it out on the table for Pam when she got home. Pam had promised to explain what the heck was going on with her family, so Kara had come to Gotham after she got off at the watchtower rather than fly home to National City. I'm late, aren't I? Pam said, sounding disappointed with herself as she set her purse down. I'm sorry, I felt the need to explain myself to Damien afterwards. No. No, you're fine, you're fine, Kara assured her, stealing a glance at her watch. You're only, oh, well two hours isn't that bad. It's okay, I was having a good dream. Oh. Pam's smile was both tired and amused as she made her way over to the couch, straddling Kara in one smooth movement. Tell me about it. It was about my mom, Kara focused to calm her fast-beating heart, and smiled up at her, wrapping her arms around Pam's lower back. She was here, in this house, and she. Kara furrowed her brow, trying to remember exactly how it had happened. She was looking at your pictures in the hallway, and said you were cute. Pam laughed. Cute? She used that word? Kara shrugged, leaning up to whisper, you're pretty cute, Pam. Pam smiled into the kiss before separating with an exhausted sigh, resting her head in the crook of Kara's neck, and letting her body relax, shoulders slumping. Thank you for waiting, she murmured. Humming contentedly, Kara smoothed down Pam's hair, her fingers running lightly through the soft red waves. I had to raid your fridge, though. Ate all your fried chicken. I made that for you, Pam mumbled sleepily. I don't eat meat, remember? Well. Kara protested with a blush. Well. Pam laughed. I don't eat poultry. Better? Kara giggled. You made me fried chicken, 
how'd you learn to do that if you don't eat meat? There was a time before. Pam said rather dramatically. Speaking of mothers, mine would make fried chicken once a week for Sunday dinner. And, it was the only thing I taught Joe how to cook. She was so exceptionally impatient with the process, but see, she pulled back so she could explain this to Kara face to face. She liked fried chicken, and I told her I wouldn't make it for her again until she figured it out. And, she did. Kara grinned. What a triumph. Believe me, Pam chuckled, leaning down to kiss her again, her hand on the back of Kara's neck. It was a chore. Using the arm around Pam's waist, Kara maneuvered her onto her back on the couch, moving over her, bracketing her head on the cushion with her elbows. And what about Harley, she asked. Could she cook? Pam scoffed. God, no. Tried once. Literally one time. She went to a cooking class before Duke was born. That was it. Otherwise she was completely content with cold pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The perennial college student, Pam sighed with a certain affection. And always content to eat what I made for her too. From the day she moved in to the day I said goodbye to her. Lena gave up on me pretty early, Kara remembered with a smile. I promise I tried my best, I just, sometimes you have to be so precise in the kitchen, you know? Another chopstick situation. Pam's smile was soft as she reached up a hand to twirl a lock of blonde hair around her finger. After I got out of Arkham and Harley and I tried to actually be together, I used to think, maybe she was why I was still here. Maybe when Woodrow made me poison Ivy, he was making me for her. That's who Harley fell in love with, after all. I'm not stupid. I know what happened. Pam's gaze drifted from Kara's hair, across her jawline. Ivy intrigued her, pulled her in, I wouldn't have had a chance with her without Ivy, Pamela wouldn't have. Her eyes flitted up to meet Kara's. So I cooked and cleaned for her. Held her, after Ivy fucked her. Waiting for the day that Harley would be in love with all of me, not simply the idea of me that existed within this ethereal being. How long did it take? Kara murmured. I'm really not sure, Pam brushed the lock of hair behind Kara's ear. I didn't mind the wait, honestly, she admitted. Before Ivy, I never thought anyone would love me. Not the way I wanted to be loved, at least. I thought, perhaps Professor Woodrow could love me. He rewarded me for my intelligence, and seemed to find it attractive, but that was a lie. A trick. He tricked me into settling and then punished me for it. So I thought, maybe Dr. Quinzel was tricking me too. But she wasn't, Kara finished for her, so relieved at the happy ending. But she wasn't, Pam agreed in a whisper, swallowing as she looked up into Kara's blue eyes. Delilah was tricked. Cruelly. And I hate that I wasn't here to fix everything for her. Kara's heart warmed at the reminder of how deeply Pamela loved. And she loves me. But didn't you tell me Harley always said you tried to fix too many things for Joe? Yes, Pam conceded. And ultimately, I couldn't fix anything. Which is so, frustrating. It is, Kara agreed. But. She leaned down to kiss her, slowly, breathing her in. I'm really glad you're talking to me about it. She moved her lips to Pam's neck, her kisses warm and wet. 
And I'm also really, super glad that this couch is so dang comfortable because I can tell you don't have the energy to make it to the bedroom. Mmm, well. Pam let her eyes slip closed. It's a good thing I have a big, strong Kryptonian around to make sure I get to bed safely. Kara paused, lifting her lips from Pam's skin to ask, like, right now? Or, can we, I sorta like the couch. Seems like you're in the driver's seat tonight. Pam slipped her hand under Kara's sweater at the back, unclasping her bra. Show me what you've got, Supergirl. Chapter 91 Damien cleared his throat, feeling a bit uneasy in his daughter's presence. I'm sorry about the press, he offered. Got them off the lawn, at least. It's okay, Delilah murmured, standing in front of Hellbat's display case, her eyes trained on the costume's smile. Guess I finally have my thing now. I'm the crazy one. It's all bullshit, Delilah. You know that, Damien sighed, wishing he could make everything better for her. You're not crazy. I have a signed paper from your doctor to prove it. Delilah scoffed, adjusting her bag on her shoulder. Great. Shaking her head, her eyes drifting left, to where her suit was displayed behind glass of its own, though the gray fabric was still splattered with blood. You couldn't clean it? Damien followed her eyes. We've got Luke working on another one for you. Tell him not to bother, she quickly keyed in the code on the Hellbat case, pulling it open and reaching into her bag for a can of spray paint. Delilah, what are you? She painted the word dead across its chest before Damien could stop her. My doctor said I have to start separating fact from fiction. She nodded up at her work. Visual reminders are helpful. Oh, and I quit, she told him, tossing the spray paint, forcing him to jolt into action to catch it. I love you, Dad. But this shit? It's toxic. Damien stood in a relatively stunned silence as he watched her leave. Where are you going, he finally managed. I don't know, she tossed over her shoulder as she scaled the metal stairs out of the cave. Check the tabloids tomorrow. Anthony was 78 when Pamela got the call. Grandma, he's not doing too well, Duke's voice was heavy on the other end of the line. I really think you should try to get over here. Duke had hung up his cape two years prior, at 54 years old, and moved out to San Francisco with Tiffany to take care of Anthony after he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Max had stayed behind, allowing Carrie a long overdue retirement by taking over the tech specialist position. Though, with Delilah's extended absence, and her and Terry's rather poor attempts at recruiting, Max still had to suit up most nights. If there was one silver lining to Anthony's diagnosis, it was that when Karen died at 90 years old, he quickly forgot his grief. Often forgot why he was supposed to be sad at all. And if not for him, that at least made things easier on Duke. Perhaps Pamela was just projecting, but the idea of, forgetting everything, even just for a moment, being allowed a second of respite, sounded both welcome and helpful. Then again, she hadn't seen Anthony in some time. Almost a year now. She and Kara had attended Karen's funeral, and Anthony had required a reminder as to who Kara was. Even looking confused when Duke whispered, Mom, into his ear as Pam approached. It had scared Pam, quite frankly. And there was a way in which she felt like she'd already lost him. But there was no mistaking it now. Her son was dying, 
and she had to go to him. Kara cleared her throat in the doorway. Do you want me to go with you? Do you want to come? Pam's voice was nearly quiet enough to be drowned out by the zipping of her suitcase. I asked you first. Pam sighed heavily, rubbing her eyes before finally turning to fully acknowledge her girlfriend. Yes. Please, come with me. Kara smiled softly, a hint of relief flashing across her eyes. I'll pack a bag. Glad you could make it. Duke's arms were wrapped tightly around Pam nearly the moment she entered Anthony's home. I think he's pretty close. I just, I didn't want him to go without you saying goodbye. Pam swallowed. This was a reality she'd been running from for some time. Anthony had always been their rudder. A piece of dry land in an ocean of chaos. Saying goodbye, it was hardly a reality Pamela had even humored. Of course, she nearly whispered. Kara was setting their bags down in the foyer, but wasted little time before pulling Duke and Tiffany into a firm hug of her own. You guys are such good. People, she said, her voice already sounding like tears were threatening to spill forth. Really. Anthony is so lucky to have so many people that love him. Well, he's pretty damn lovable, Tiffany smiled wanly. Glad you could make it. Anything for family, she told them, though the last word came out a bit twisted, like she'd meant to hang on to it. But Duke just smiled kindly at her, squeezing her shoulder before turning his attention back to Pam. I don't know how familiar you are with Alzheimer's, Grandma, but at this point really all of his memories are gone. His speech will probably sound a little funny, and, uh, his fuse is a little short these days. Try not to say anything to confuse him, okay? It's really hard, believe me, I know, but if you try too hard to jog his memory he's going to get irritable. Better to follow his lead. Pam nodded in understanding. Is he in the bedroom? Yeah, here, let me. I can find my own way, Pam quietly interrupted him. I've visited before. There was a moment of silence where Duke seemed to be deciding whether or not he wanted to allow Pam unfettered access to his father. But Tiffany moved them all along. You hungry, Kara? I made spaghetti last night, there's some leftovers in the fridge. Spaghetti sounds amazing, Kara smiled warmly, allowing Tiffany to lead her to the kitchen. Duke nodded towards the stairs. I guess I'll leave you to it. Anthony had loved this house when he bought it. Pam remembered the day he and Karen toured it. Remembered the email she'd received with 23 attached photos, all of this house. Different aspects, different angles, it was taller than it was wide. Open spaces, high ceilings and lots of windows. Pouring with natural light and overlooking the bay. The architecture was far more modern than any of Pam's houses had been, but Anthony had always been a modern man. Obsessed with progress, enamored by innovation and addicted to broadening horizons. Her son was a visionary, one who was able to translate his wondrous imaginings to the physical world. An artist and a builder. While Jolene had always aimed to improve reality, Anthony chose to create it. So he and Karen had settled in this house, a house as beautiful and intricately designed as both of their brilliant minds. Karen, the woman Anthony had always loved more than he could ever hope to be loved in return. And now he was alone. More alone than Pamela would ever be because even his memories had abandoned him. 
The door to his bedroom was slightly ajar, and Pam approached carefully, not wanting to startle him. But Anthony didn't seem to care. He was sitting up in bed, on top of the blankets, wearing only a white t-shirt and a pair of boxer briefs, like he was just about to get ready for work. His hair, once a rich auburn color and always impeccably styled, was gray through and through, and suffering from an obvious case of bedhead. His eyes weren't as bright as they'd been when he was a young man. Their blue was clouded now, reminding Pamela very much of Harleen's on that last meeting. Confused, tired, glazed over. His focus was aimed out the window, watching intently as a bird flitted about on a branch just outside. But he turned to Pamela when her knuckles rapped gently on the door, his lips spreading quickly into a warm smile. Hello. Pamela's heart picked up speed. Does he? What did I do to deserve such a beautiful visitor? No. He doesn't. Hello, Anthony. She tried to smile as best she could, even though her heart was breaking. He became distracted when the bird pecked his beak against the window. My helper said my mother was coming to see me, he told her, his attention removed. But I got a look at myself Tuesday, today, his correction sounded rather stern. And if I look like this, I don't. He simply trailed off rather than finishing his thought, watching as the bird cocked its head at him. Do you remember your mother, Anthony? Pam ventured, knowing that the hopefulness in her tone was useless. Do you? He countered, pulling his gaze back to her, seeming to mimic the bird with his head tilt. Did you have a mother? I did, she acknowledged. And you had two. Two mothers who loved you very much. And did they, love each other? Or did they love my father? Anthony wondered. Each other. Pam fought against the tears that had already begun to gather in her eyes, knowing that if she started now, she would never stop. They loved each other just like they loved you. Very much, Anthony smiled. Pam's nod was hurried, her affection racing her sadness. That's right. Anthony pursed his lips, giving her a thorough look over. Or, his version of thorough, anyway, which seemed to translate to flighty and distracted. I don't think I know you. Well, that's okay, Pam managed. I know you, Anthony. Came all the way here to see you. May I, can I sit down? I'd love to visit with you, if I could. Oh, yes, there was noticeable excitement in his tone. I have a chair for visitors. He pointed towards the armchair beside the bed. Karen makes me dinner at the table, but I like to be up here with the, um, the, sunshine, he finally managed. And the flowers. Gingerly taking a seat in the chair he'd indicated, Pam smiled at the potted marigolds on his bedside table. Are they friendly? she asked, rather than correcting the fact that he seemed to have referred to Tiffany as Karen. Oh, yes, they're my friends, he smiled over at the flowers. They keep me company when my, um, when the man isn't here. Pam swallowed, leaning forward to take his hand. Anthony, that man's name is Duke. Yes, he grinned. Handsome boy. And, Duke is your son, Anthony, Pam finished. Your only son. His blue eyes flitted down to their joined hands and over to the marigolds on the bedside table before he came back to his mother's face. Oh, yes, yes, I know. Duke, my, my handsome boy. 
Pam just watched him for a moment, feeling the warmth of his hand in hers. Do you know what Anthony means? She questioned. There was a light behind his eyes when he said, that's my name. Yes, Pam acknowledged with a soft nod. Yes, it is. And your mama wanted to name you that because it means flower and you. She squeezed his hand. Where are little flowers? Mmm. He hummed, not seeming to register the relationship she'd implied. I have a son, you know. His name is Duke. He's my helper. Pam had to shut her eyes briefly to keep her tears at bay. That's right. Duke. And do you, remember your wife's name? Anthony's brow furrowed in thought. No, not right, no, but I have, I have this, there. He pointed to the shelf behind where Pam sat. I want to show you all the people. Turning slowly, Pam found there was a shoebox on the shelf labeled, to remember, in black sharpie. She stood up to grab it, returning to her chair and setting it gently in his outstretched hands. I had more than this, but I couldn't remember the, uh, what's the, secret code, the word key, the, password? Pam guessed as she watched him open the lid on the box. Password, Anthony quietly repeated. It's all locked away. But I have this. He went first for the Supergirl action figure, leaving the small pile of photographs for the time being. I think, maybe I like this toy. She has superpowers, so, s. He ran his fingers over the doll's chest. And she has friends in here, he picked up the Aqua Girl action figure next, and then the battle mode Poison Ivy. I wanted to remember them. I don't know why. Pam pursed her lips, leaning forward. Do you like their suits? He didn't seem to understand the word, so she tried a different one. Their clothing. Do you like the clothes they're wearing? Yes, they, look safe, he told her. Smiling, Pam said. Those are real women, Anthony. There are real, non-plastic, versions of those women walking around, saving the world. She paused to take her glasses off, allowing her skin to drift back to its natural green hue. She was worried he might be startled by her shift in appearance, but he just reached his own green hand out, trailing it down her arm. Green. He whispered. And, Anthony, Pam continued. You made these clothes for them. I was, a clothes maker, he attempted. Pam shook her head. You were an inventor. When he didn't respond, she placed her finger on the S on Kara's chest. Supergirl, she told him before moving to Marina. Aqua Girl. And then, Poison Ivy. Anthony blinked, looking up at her now. This is you, he wondered, holding the action figure up to compare. Smiling despite herself, Pam nodded. But you can call me, Pamela, or... Mom. He only held her gaze for a moment before dropping it, placing the action figures back in the box, mumbling, my mother is coming to see me. He moved on to the pictures then, fingers running gently over the image of him as a teenager smiling proudly next to his sister who was wearing a leotard and a medal around her neck. He flipped it over quickly to read the back, written in his own handwriting. Anthony, 15, he read aloud. Jolene, 11. He flipped it back over to show Pam the picture. I'm Anthony, he told her, pointing to his. 
image. That's me. And her name was Jolene. I think, maybe she was a ballerina. We smile a lot together, so she must have been my friend. She was your sister, Pam told him. Your little sister. And she was a gymnast. Oh, Anthony said, again tracing Joe's features with the pads of his fingers. Is she coming? Pam swallowed, shaking her head. No, honey. She died around twelve years ago now. He frowned. Why is she dead if she was littler than me? Gently encouraging him to move on to the next picture, Pam said, because nothing in life is guaranteed. Even, life itself. Clearly Anthony found this upsetting, but Pam didn't have to deal with his agitation just then, as Duke entered the room with a glass of water. Hey, Dad, he greeted, obviously noticing the negative direction Anthony's mood was taking. How's it going in here? Why did you bring her here? Anthony demanded, referring to Pam. Why is she visiting? I told you your mom was coming, remember? Duke prompted softly, likely knowing the answer to that question would be you know. Then I want to sleep until she comes, Anthony told them, his tone sour. Childish, even. Though Anthony was not a child anymore. Pamela couldn't hold him that same way. Her face and voice were no longer comforting to him. And now he wanted her to leave. I'll be back when you've had some rest, she muttered, rising from her seat. There's still time. He's already gone, Pamela murmured in the darkness, forcing Kara's eyes open again. That's not true, Kara whispered against the soft skin at the back of Pam's neck. He's right here, Pam. In this house. And he might not know it right now, but he needs you here. You need to be here, she doubled down. Don't give up yet. It was a moment before Pam responded, and honestly, Kara thought she might even leave it at that. He had no idea who I was, Kara. Not an, inkling. Not a single moment of recognition. Ivy, honey, Kara propped herself up on her elbow, shifting her weight so she was leaning over Pam in the guest bed. We researched this. At this stage, there's not much you can expect from him. You're here to do your best and to remind him that he's loved in any and every way you can. I mean, Rao, Pam, can you imagine how scary this must be for him? Or was it when he was slipping, she prompted. For a mind like his. So brilliant. For him to just feel the ground falling out from under him. Losing everything that made him, him. It's terrible. Perhaps, Ivy mused, her voice tinged with sadness, though Kara could scarcely make out her features in the darkness. Joe, she had to remember everything. Everything of hers and everything of mine so I don't know which is a worse fate. Remembering everything, or remembering nothing. Kara thought on that for a moment, but it was a pretty straightforward answer, as far as she was concerned. Nothing, Pam. Because then you're losing. Everything. The good and the bad. You think I would trade my memories of Krypton, of my family, just to get rid of that one terrible day? No. She shook her head, moving back to her place behind Pam, her arms still wrapped around her waist. Poor Anthony. Pam stayed for two months. Kara commutes back and forth to the watchtower from San Francisco, always coming back to her at night to share that guest bed. 
Every day, Pamela would have a conversation with Anthony that felt brand new to him. And even though he never recognized her, as time passed, he did seem to expect her in the mornings, and allow her to stay in his room longer into the afternoon. She was even allowed to accompany him and Duke on their daily walk. She soon became, the helper, just as Duke was. But there was a familiarity to the name that comforted Pam. She'd somehow made herself familiar enough to him again to be allowed into his inner circle. In an odd way, it truly was like having a toddler again. Anthony's mind would wander, his emotions would swing quickly, but his smiles melted Pam's heart just as they had when he was a child, her baby boy. Whatever version of him this was. Whatever fraction of her son still existed, she would never be ready to say goodbye. Never. And yet, she knew the day she would have to. Knew as soon as the sun rose. His energy was different. There was no walk. No daily meeting with his bird, no show and tell of his boxed memories. He was tired. His eyes softened when he looked at her, his fingers weak as they gripped her hand where she sat beside his bed. My mother, was beautiful, just like you, he told her. Your, W, your G, he seemed to be searching for the word. My girlfriend. Does she know? Anthony wondered. How beautiful you are. How, good. Pam nodded, wiping a tear from her eye. I think so. My mother was good too, he smiled softly, his thumb running gentle circles on the back of her hand. She was a superhero, you know? Poison Ivy, and she, there was a day, I was so, so sad and frightened. And Mama, she tried to calm me down, but it was so loud. And your mother picked you up, Pam whispered, remembering the day, not bothering to wipe her tears this time. And she told you not to be scared because that was her job. And those flowers were just like people. Anthony continued, his expression peaceful. Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're sad, because sometimes humans are cruel. But my mom, she wasn't, he closed his eyes to find the word. Human enough to be cruel like that. Anthony's eyes had become glossy with tears of his own when he opened them. Can you, stay here? Until she comes? I'm right here, baby. I'm not going anywhere, she squeezed his hand. Anthony swallowed. Can you, hold me? Pam nodded, wiping her tears quickly before climbing onto the bed, curling up on the pillows with him, allowing him to rest his head against her breast, just like he'd allowed her after Joe died, and just as she'd cradled him as an infant, toddler, nine-year-old with a scraped knee, or a broken-hearted teenager. Anthony, I love you so much, she whispered into his hair. His eyes were closed now. She could feel it. I love you too, Mom. It didn't take long for his breathing to slow, his weight heavy on her chest. Pam pressed a kiss to his forehead, holding her lips there as she felt him slip away from her. Good night, baby. In loving memory of. Anthony I. Quinzel. Father, son, husband. 2009-2087. The best thing you can be is kind. God, Damien wiped his eyes. Fuck your kids. Making me feel things. Pam leaned her head against his shoulder, closing her eyes, breathing in the fresh sea air as it wafted off of the ocean. 
It was Duke's turn to throw his ashes now, and he stood on the edge of the cliff for a long while, looking out over the bay with the ashes clenched in his fist. When he felt it was time, he simply opened his hand and let the wind do the rest. Let the wind carry his father away from him. Tiffany approached him slowly to make sure he was okay, and Duke just nodded silently, his gaze aimed at his feet as he shuffled back to the rest of the party. Pam felt raw. Torn open and emptied out. Her babies, her wife, they were gone. Every person that had inspired her to change. To be better. They were dead. Her memories were filled with ghosts now, her life different than she could have ever imagined, but in this moment, worse. She, wanted to hear her children argue about extinct animals again. She wanted to hear Anthony playing his piano in the living room, and the plates shaking in the cupboards as Joe landed a backflip on the hardwood floor. She'd memorized Joe's letter by now. Poured over every one of Anthony's sketchpads. But it wasn't enough. When her parents died, Pamela became an orphan. When her wife died, she became a widow. But now that her children were dead, was she even a mother anymore? Shoo, shoo, shoo. Pam heard Anthony's excited shushing coming from the living room. You have to wait, you have to wait. I'm waiting. Joe was clearly struggling to keep her voice at a whisper. You guys are gonna blow our cover, Harley scolded. And now Pam was intrigued, so she entered the living room cautiously. Only to immediately be hit by a rather strong gust of wind from the fan that was evidently set up to blast her, and deafened by the melodies of George Michael's careless whisper which was suddenly emanating from the record player at full volume. Can you n? Pam immediately directed a vine so slammed the record player and then the fan into the off position. You three have to stop doing that. But mom. Anthony cackled, laughing harder at how his sister was now rolling around on the floor. You're so glamorous. Harleen, did you buy an industrial-sized fan just for this bit? Pam demanded. Um, well, I guess you could say. Harley was wiping her eyes free of tears. I didn't, not? Buy an industrial-sized fan for this bit? What the hell else are we gonna spend our money on, Pam? Pizza. Joe suddenly shot up to her feet. Pizza and leotards and more big fans. Pam stood with her hand outstretched over the bay, surrendering to the moment. To the sun on her back and the wind in her hair, and her son in her hand. He'd loved this view. And now, he would be one with it. Enveloped into the scenery. So she let him go. You don't have to do this for me, Damien assured her. I promise. If you're fed up with this task. Pam shook her head, her fingers combing through his hair. When you provide the option to stay, I suppose it also implies the option to go. And you, stayed, for a long time. Damien smiled kindly at her. Softly. A smile filled with admiration. And then his gaze drifted. I can't believe you came. Yeah, me neither, Delilah smiled, kneeling beside him. But I'm really happy I did. You didn't have to. None of you did, a tear slipped down Damien's cheek. I'm sure you think I'm a coward. Dad, Terry's voice was gentle. Soothing. After the life you've lived? Nothing could make you a coward at this point. It's okay to let go. 
Pamela wiped the tear off Damien's cheek. I wasn't, for my father. Yeah, we know, Dad, Daisy leaned down to kiss his temple. And you can apologize to him when you see him. I never thought I'd have anything like you, Damien admitted. I'm so, so proud, you're mine. So happy. Terry smiled even as his eyes became glassy. Tell mom we miss her. Damien just nodded, overcome with emotion at this point. Pam squeezed his hand. Thank you for loving my baby. Even when I couldn't. Even when she didn't make it easy. And thank you for being there for her, and for them, when I was too afraid, he exhaled, firmly holding her gaze, his hazel eyes made clearer by his tears. Swallowing down her own emotion, Pamela whispered, Are you ready? Again, he nodded, words weren't necessary. Nor were they even possible, it seemed. Though, as she raised the syringe to his arm, he suddenly stopped her, saying, wait, and leaned up on his elbows to kiss her, full on the mouth. He collapsed back on the pillows once he'd finished. Well that answers that. He grinned up at her. W.H. Pamela knew she shouldn't be offended. But, she was feeling oddly offended. What's that supposed to mean? Damien just shrugged. I have my preferences. And Jason can suck it. He winked. In loving memory of. Damien Wayne. Husband, father, son, protector. 2007-2098. Anyone can be broken. Not everyone can pick up the pieces. 23 years and no one wanted to try and clean that off. Delilah prompted, nodding up at the Hellbat suit, still with the white spray paint on the chest. I'm sure they tried, Pam leaned against the glass. Why did you do it? Delilah shrugged, though not like she was shrugging off the question, more that she genuinely didn't have an answer she felt comfortable with. People do stupid shit when they're angry. That is true. Pam acknowledged, nodding slowly. Your nana ended up in a wheelchair because I was angry. In the last conversation I had with my daughter, I hung up on her because I was angry. And, unlike you, I actually did murder my mother because I was angry. My father too. Strangled them while they lay in bed. My mother was as old as yours was when she died, and I squeezed until life left their eyes. That was anger. This, she nodded up at the suit. Was frustrating. Now here. Pam reached behind the case for the spray. Bottle and rag she'd set there, 23 years ago. Your mother loved that suit, and it's not going to clean itself. W.H., are you serious? Delilah was somewhere between surprised and appalled. 23 years is a long pit stop, Delilah, Pam started past her towards the metal stairs that led out of the cave. I've been waiting a long time for you to clean up your mess. So, welcome home, sweetheart. She paused at the door. Now let's get to work. Chapter 92, Epilogue Okay, let's go down the list. Shoes Check Matching socks Nope But we tried, Kara assured herself. Snacks Linda became distracted when the cat nuzzled against her leg. Mommy, I'm hungry. Yeah, Lynn, I know that, it's why we're doing the checklist, remember? 
Kara had to take the girl's hands and squeeze gently to get her to pay attention. You're gonna be grumpy if we forget something. Can we bring Kitty? No, but we can see her as soon as we get back, Kara smiled, bending down to kiss her daughter on the head before straightening up and grabbing the bag. They'd packed. Okay, say goodbye, and let's get out of here. We have to walk, and we don't want to be late. Linda knelt down sadly, gathering the cat into her arms. We're not leaving forever, Kitty, she told it, green eyes staring intently into the cat's own pair. We'll come back as soon as our tummies are full. Then she leaned forward and kissed its nose, eventually letting it crawl off of her lap and scurry back to its scratching post. We can leave now, mommy, Linda said, sounding heartbroken as she reached up a hand for Kara to take, her mother helping her to her feet. Kitty will miss us, but she will be okay. Kitty has been around for a really long time, Lynn, Kara chuckled, opening the front door and locking it behind them. She knows that people come and go. Yeah, okay, Linda dropped her hand, already on to the next thing, stomping down the front steps and into a puddle on the front walk, that's a good one. Kara followed behind, stomping into the water with a bit more force. It is a good one. Linda giggled. You don't even have rain boots, mommy. You think mom's gonna be mad if I have wet shoes? Kara wondered, grinning as she took Linda's hand to walk down the sidewalk. The girl shrugged. She cannot time out you. Kara laughed. Time out me? We don't even time out you. Where did you hear about timeouts? I saw a show, Linda sagely informed her. The walk took longer than it should have. It always did. Everything always did. The big, wide world could be a scary place for a child like Linda. One who heard. Louder and saw further than her little mind could process all at once. But, unlike Kara, Linda had been born into this environment, meaning that at four years old, she was already better acclimated than Kara had been at 18. But, of course, Linda wasn't completely Kryptonian. She had an added set of obstacles to navigate. Can I press the button? Kara leaned down to whisper in her daughter's ear, Do you remember what floor? The very top, Linda whispered back, aware of the other people in the elevator. Emichem. Kara smiled. You need help? Not if I use my tippy toes. Linda said, doing just that, her index finger just barely reaching the button before she triumphantly fell back onto her heels. Nice job. Kara grinned, squeezing the girl's shoulders. The squeezing was important, they'd learned. Kept Linda in her own body. Reminded her to keep her feet on the ground. She waited for Kara when the doors dinged and then slid open, gripping her hand until the other elevator occupants had exited before allowing Kara to lead her out. Get me the report by Friday, and we'll see what we can do. They won't even be wrapping up the second trial until Thursday. That's a pretty tight window. Then just ask for something preliminary. Some light weekend reading, I don't give sh. Mom. We came to get you. Linda yelled down the hallway, interrupting what seemed to be an important conversation. Pam stopped in her tracks after rounding the corner, breaking into a wide smile her eyes lighting up at the sight of her daughter. You came to rescue me? Yes. And to eat dinner. Pam laughed, turning briefly back to her subordinate. 
just keep me updated, alright? I'm flexible, but only to a point. Yes, ma'am, I'll see what I can do, the woman replied, though Pam was already moving past her down the hallway, wrapping Linda in her arms and hoisting her up onto her hip. Did you walk here all the way from home? Yes, Linda smiled shyly when Pam pressed a kiss to her cheek. We stomped in puddles. But mommy's feet are wet cause she didn't bring her boots. Hey! Tattletail, Kara teased, tickling her side until Linda jerked away with a laugh. Well, you came just in time, thank goodness. Pam smiled, lowering Linda back to her feet. I just have to grab my purse and then we can get some dinner. What sounds good, she asked, taking Linda's hand and walking her back to her office. Can I have a calzone? Yes, we can. You headed out, Ms. Wayne, a man asked through his open office door. Oh, hi, Linda, Kara. He smiled. Linda quickly hid her face against Pam's hip, and Pam wrapped a soothing hand around the back of her head, thumb rubbing soft circles in the girl's blonde hair. I'll be in at nine tomorrow, if you need me. Great. He nodded, though he seemed worried as he studied Linda. Is she? Shy, Pam stated, ending his question there. I'll see you tomorrow. Is she, autistic? Kara mocked once they were out of earshot, Pam having picked Linda up again to make the journey to her office a bit quicker. Pam chuckled kissing Linda on the head and nodding over to the couch in her office where she'd set her purse. Did I tell you he thought we were sisters? No, you're married. Linda pulled her face away from Pam's neck to protest. Kara laughed as she grabbed the purse. Not everybody's as smart as you, Lynn. We'll set him straight some other time. I think you're the nicest wives. Linda lowered her head back to rest on Pam's shoulder. I don't like that man. I'm just looking for a reason to fire him, darling, Pam assured her. It's all taking longer than I wanted it to. I knew I should have run the trials myself. Pam was distracted by the menu she was showing Linda. You like pepperoni, would you like pepperoni? But I want it in the bread. Yes, that's what a calzone is, Jay, Linda. Okay. The girl smiled. But I want it soon because I'm hungry. Ah, well, in the meantime. Kara leaned over to reach into the bag they'd packed, coming out with a bag of dried apple slices and handing them across the table to her daughter. You can't run the trials in the company, Pam. That's crazy. You just gotta hire people you trust, and let them do their jobs. Pam groaned, scrunching her eyes shut to run a hand through her hair. How's the story coming along? Oh, geez, Kara laughed. Worse than your thing, I'm sure. No one wants to talk to me. I literally got a door slammed in my face the other day. Just, hi there, I'm, wham. Well, if you ever need any help with persuasion. Pam's fingernails tapped idly on her water glass. Pam. Kara fixed her with a look. Pam, that's called coercion. Goodness, how pure you are, Pam mocked. I am. Oh, yes, I'm fully aware, Pam exhaled, leaning across the table to kiss her. It's exceptionally irritating. Kara grinned against her lips. You knew what you were signing up for. I am done with my apples now, Linda announced, 
pushing the empty bag away from her. I would like my inside pizza now. Calzone, Lynn. You know the word, Kara reminded her. Would it be considered coercion to speed up our service? Pam wondered. Kara narrowed her eyes, crossing her arms and leaning back in her chair. I think, that's an evil I can live with, but only because I feel like we might be close to a tantrum. Excellent. Pam increased her pheromone output, and a waiter was at their table in seconds. Gaia, she has way too many t-shirts. Which one for sleeping, Lynn? Pam wondered, holding the top drawer of the dresser open. I don't want one of mine, I want one of yours, Linda protested, sitting crisscross applesauce on top of her covers, hair just now dry from her bath. Mmm, not tonight, Pam shook her head, unfolding one of the many sleepwear options and turning to hold it up to her. We're working on sleeping in our own clothes in our own bed, remember? So let's pick out something cozy. Linda shook her head at the pink t-shirt Pam was holding. Nuh-uh. A different one. Pam sighed. Do you have a suggestion? Or am I going to unfold every single t-shirt in here looking for one that's probably down in the laundry room? I don't like that one. Linda, again, waved it away, with more force this time. It's too loose, I don't like it. J, Linda, Linda, Linda. Linda, you just saying no, 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 all the time isn't helpful. Do you have a shirt in mind? Pam didn't wait for her to answer to turn. Back around, knowing it was a pipe dream to request a specific instruction. Uh, blue? Linda looked uncertain as she unfolded it, but by the time the graphic was revealed, she was smiling broadly. Yes. Supergirl. She suddenly jetted her hands out, grabbing at the air in front of her. Gimme, please. Turn it around, Joe. Look. Anthony urged. She did just that, and when she saw there was a bat symbol on the chest, she absolutely lost it, her tears of joy turning to full-on sobs. Jolene, Harley sat forward and set her coffee down. Jolene, would you like to put it on? Yes, please. She cried, getting up and running over to Harley, thrusting the garment at her with both hands and turning her head away like it was too amazing to even look at anymore. Pam blinked at the S emblem her daughter now wore on her chest. The girl's green eyes sparkling as she hugged herself, holding the fabric of the t-shirt as close to her skin as possible. Are you? Pam cleared her throat. Happy with that one? Yes, Linda smiled contentedly, climbing under her blankets. Mom, can I wear this when I'm a supergirl? Or do I have to wear a leafy like you? Mama. She clutched the fabric in her hands. It's, Mama. Yes? Harleen giggled. Tears began to well up in the girl's eyes. It's a gymnastics outfit, Mama. Jolene, why are you crying? Cause it's, cause it's, she held the leotard up to the light, watching as it shimmered. Cause it's the prettiest outfit I've ever seen. You can, um, you can wear whatever you want, sweet pea, Pam told her sitting down on the bed to tuck the blanket around her daughter's shoulders. We're doing tonight all by ourselves, right? Linda nodded earnestly, her brows furrowing in determination. Good, Pam smiled, brushing a lock of blonde hair behind the girl's ear. 
Now let's look and see who we have in here. She glanced over her shoulder. There's, Mr. Desk. Can he talk? Nope. Linda shook her head. And Mrs. Lamp? What about her? Nope, Linda repeated. Only Mr. Plant can talk. That's right, Pam nodded, leaning down to kiss the smooth skin of her daughter's forehead. So if you hear anyone else, besides Mr. Plant, what are you going to do? Shut the door, Linda stated, resolute. That door? Pam wondered, pointing to the one that separated the bedroom from the hallway. No, no, Linda shook her head, raising her finger above the blankets to tap her temple. This one. That's right, Pam smiled, kissing her again, this time on the cheek. I'll see you when the sun comes up. Okay, Linda whispered, closing her eyes reluctantly. One eye, and then the other. Pam waited until both were closed to rise from the bed, plugging in the nightlight and shutting off the lamp before closing the door softly behind her. She paused with her hand on the doorframe for a moment, standing in silence to make sure Linda was settled, and then started down the hall, pulling her shirt over her head and tossing it aside as soon as she entered her bedroom. Kara was laying on her side of the bed in a sweatshirt and a pair of fuzzy pajama pants, squinting at her tablet. Pam sighed, relief reverberating through her body as her knees hit the bed. Do you have any idea how much I've been looking forward to this, she asked, crawling slowly over Kara's body, pushing her sweatshirt up to reveal her muscular stomach. Hm, mhm, Kara responded distractedly, evidently scrolling to the next page. I was completely distracted in my budget meeting today. Pam traced the line of Kara's muscle with her tongue, ending with an open-mouthed kiss just above her navel. You, were all I could think about. She smiled, raising her eyes to look up at her wife. Only to be met with the sight of the tablet Kara was still holding in front of her face. Uh-huh, and then what? Kara randomly prompted. Frowning, Pam propped herself up on her elbows, bracketing Kara's hips. Um, and then I, convinced myself I wasn't desperate enough to masturbate in the bathroom? Ah, that's great, honey, Kara offered, scrolling again. Good for you. WH, Pam sat up further. You're not listening at all, are you? Hey, she tapped her leg. Hey, hello? There were promises made, Kara. What? The blonde finally moved the screen to peer down at her. What are you doing? Where's your shirt? Where's my, it's, Pam blinked. Kara, it's Tuesday. You said we'd have time tonight. I have the receipts. Realization seemed to dawn suddenly. Oh. Yeah, right, right. Okay, hold on, I'm just, here, look at this. Are you naked? Pam asked before Kara could turn the screen to her. Because unless it's you naked, I'm really not interested. Just really quick. Just really quick. Kara handed Pam the tablet and sat up to yank her sweatshirt off. There. Sign of good faith. Pam rolled her eyes, sighing with significant exaggeration and rolling onto her back, holding the tablet above her. What is this? The screen displayed a series of handwritten notes in a mixture of English and Kryptonian. Who translated this? Linda. I hope I'm not a fully grown adult. No, it's. K. 
Kara stopped to laugh. No, it's from my source. Pam scoffed, scrolling up. Well, I wouldn't exactly call his Kryptonian fluent, conversational, even. Did he hand this to Kara on Supergirl? Well, Supergirl. Then he's been watching too many Rosetta Stone commercials. Pam locked the tablet, setting it down pointedly on the bedside table. And I'd be wary of any information he gives you. And if he thinks he's stealing you away from me. Ivy yanked Kara down on the bed by her thighs, so she was now hovering. Directly above her face. Then he should know I learned Kryptonian first. And much better. Kara grinned, leaning up to kiss her. Do you think she's gonna sleep all the way through tonight? I do. Pam reached back to unclasp her own bra, moving her lips to Kara's neck. I really, truly do. Kara hummed, closing her eyes, her fingers coming up to tangle in Ivy's thick red hair. You almost called her, Joe, again today. Pam stilled, keeping her eyes on Kara's neck. I caught myself. Yeah, Kara sighed, fingers now carting soothingly through Pam's hair. But you don't always. Her fingers fell away when Pam pulled back to look at her. I don't do it on purpose, Kara. Or with any, malice aforethought. It just happens. Pam, I'm not mad at you, Kara assured her. I just, think maybe it might be time to introduce them. Introduce them? Pam almost laughed. Yes, right. Introduce them. She suddenly sat up, fishing her cell phone out of her pocket and quickly dialing a number. What are you? You've reached Jolene Wayne, please don't leave a voicemail. It's 2075. We've moved past that. Hi, Joe, it's your mother, Pam began, swinging her legs over the side of the bed, facing away from Kara. I know you've been dead for 60 years, but my... Wife, Kara. You remember Kara, she'd love it if we could swing by to introduce you to our... Kara snatched the phone away, ending the call. That's not what I meant, Pam, and you know it. I just mean, you told me you explained all this to Anthony and Joe. Explained you and how you're still here, showed them your parents, Linda knows all about Krypton, but all she knows about you and your life is that you're half-plant, and she's got some plant in her because of it. She's four years old, Kara. Joe was seven when I told her about my parents, and she cried even thinking I'd had a family or a daughter before her, Pam said, standing to unzip her slacks, peeling them off her legs. But Linda isn't Joe, Pam. She's Linda, Kara reminded her, a bit of force in her tone. She doesn't have to know about Wood or anything, but telling her about Harley and Anthony and Joe isn't gonna hurt anybody but you, maybe. I've done my morning, Pam muttered, tossing her pants into the hamper in the corner. I don't understand how introducing her to people who were born over 120 years ago is going to help her. Because maybe then she can know what she's up against. Kara sounded exasperated. Know that they're ghosts she's competing against. Comp, she's not, Kara. Pam turned. Linda isn't competing with anyone. Just like Joe didn't compete with Anthony. Just like you don't compete with Clark. I loved my children then, and I love them now. Just like I love Linda. Then tell her that, Pam. Kara almost pleaded. I just, 
Look, I grew up in somebody's shadow, okay? And it, it's frustrating. Competing or not, it can get frustrating. I want Linda to know who her shadows belong to. That's all. Pam shook her head, climbing under the blankets and switching the lamp off. There was a long moment of silence before she spoke. I'll think about it. And, what about this one? Pam asked, fingertips brushing the soft yellow petals of the flower as she lay on her stomach in the garden. Linda frowned in thought, her feet kicking in the air behind her. It's a, M, marigold. Did you pick these out yourself? Yes, Duke said, seeming to hold his breath. Marigolds, Pam reached out a hand and gently stroked the dainty petals. Pam closed her eyes for a moment, taking a deep breath. Yes. That's right. I like the yellow ones, Linda smiled. They look like me. They do. Pam mused, running a hand through the girl's soft, blonde hair. Blue. Like your eyes, and the yellow is like your. Pam cleared her throat, blushing slightly as she set the flower back down. Linda, darling, can you wait here for a moment? Pam asked, her voice a bit strained. Be with the flowers while I go get something? I'll be right back. Okay, but can you tell mommy to come outside with me? Linda asked, eyes straying from the flower to Pam. Yes. She brushed the girl's bangs away from her forehead to kiss her there, and pulled herself up to her feet, starting into the house. Kara was in the kitchen washing some strawberries, the only kind of cooking she really did. I thought we could have a picnic. She craned her neck to watch Pam come in through the back door. Do we have any Oreos left? Yes, in the cupboard, Pam muttered distractedly, crossing through towards the stairs, but stopping at the glass kitchen door. Can you head out there now? She's nervous. Oh, sure, where are you? But Pam was gone before she could get the rest of her question out. She walked quickly to the stairs, ascending past the baby photos of Linda and pictures of her and Kara that lined the wall. At the second landing, she took a right, reaching up to grab the rope and yanking down the ladder for the attic. This space had been important for Pam when they bought the house. In fact, it was the deciding factor. The attic was spacious, not stuffy, with windows and plenty of ventilation. She'd known this was where she'd be keeping her memories, her previous life, and she wanted it to feel, homey, somehow. Not like she was shoving them in some far corner of her mind, but more like she was giving them all a new home. Her family, they'd come with her, but initially she'd wanted to keep them somewhat separate. It had taken Pam a long time to marry Kara. Nearly thirty years they'd been together before she proposed. But it had never felt terribly necessary. She loved Kara, and she knew Kara loved her, but, ultimately, they were still married to their previous lives. Their previous lives. But after Delilah died, early, too early. And Tula, her youngest great-grandchild, had a daughter of her own, Pam decided maybe it was time she and Kara took a step further. A step closer to each other. It was a small ceremony. Just family, really. Her children's children, and her children's children's children. And Clark and John. Linda had come years later. After she said goodbye to Duke, and then to Daisy. Kara was afraid to ask. Afraid to want something, or need something from Pam.
But Pam knew she wanted a baby. Knew that Christmas she and Lena had spent at their house. Saw the loss and the sadness in her eyes at not having one. So 48 years after Pamela's last baby died, she'd had another one. A girl. One that she convinced herself she would do better with. And they were different, her girls. Very different. Linda was a new challenge, but one she finally felt like she was up for again. Pam swallowed as she opened the first box, grabbing the photo album off the top, her eyes lingering on the envelope that lay below. Put me in a specimen jar, file me up on the shelf, take me down when you need to, unpack me if you feel like it, but keep moving forward. Always. She nodded to herself, closing the box back up and putting the photo album beneath her arm, climbing back down the ladder and then the stairs. Linda was exactly where Pam had left her, though now Kara had joined her, sitting on the grass with the bowl of strawberries between them. Kara glanced up, her eyes traveling down to the photo album, and a sort of knowing smile spread over her lips. Hey, Lynn, she got the girl's attention, pulling it away from the flower she was whispering to. Mom has something to show you. Linda perked up, turning to watch Pam sit down beside them. Is it story time? Well, yes, I suppose. Pam's smile was a bit nervous. Linda, I'm not sure if you know this, but I am very old. Like mommy, she wondered. Pam moved closer. Even older, if you can believe it. And you know how the older you get, the more friends you make? Linda nodded. Well, I've made a lot of friends in my life, Pam told her. And not just friends, either. Family, too. And I, um, well, your mother and I thought, perhaps you'd like to, learn about them. Your family? Linda wondered, sitting forward on her heels to get a better look at the photo album Pam still hadn't opened. Can I see? She held her hands out, and after a reluctant moment, Pam handed her the book. Be careful, please. Pam whispered, watching Linda's little fingers pass reverently over the cover and open to the first page. Linda didn't speak at first, just looked. Studied. Is this baby you? She finally asked, pointing to the picture in the upper right-hand corner. Pam shook her head. No, no, that was my son, she told her. But it, it has the green and your hair. Yes, Pam smiled. He was born with green skin, just like mine. What does a son mean? Linda wondered. It means, that he was my baby, just like you are my baby, Pam explained. Is, is he my brother? She asked, her voice only a whisper, like she was afraid she'd scare him away if she spoke any louder. Is he still a baby? Pam cleared her throat. This is what she'd been concerned about. Yes. He was your brother, Linda. But no, this picture was taken a very long time ago. He grew up, became a man, even had a baby of his own, and then he, passed on. Linda turned quickly to her. No, you mean he is dead. That's sad. Very sad, Kara agreed. Mom was very sad for a really long time. But he was a good man, and he lived a happy life, so we don't have to be sad if we don't want to. Frowning, Linda's eyes wandered to the next picture. Anthony was a toddler, dressed in his robin onesie, Pam holding him upright in the old greenhouse. What was his name? 
Anthony, Pam smiled. And this. She flipped to the next page. Jolene. She was my little girl. Like the night song. Linda whispered. Panicking slightly, thinking Linda's plant DNA had attributed similar side effects as Joe had suffered, Pam asked, what do you mean? After you put me to bed. Linda's index finger trailed gently down Joe's infant nose. I can hear the song. You listened downstairs. An odd sense of relief and embarrassment washed over Pam then. It was true she often listened to the song at night, when the house was quiet and Pam felt her loss the heaviest. Sometimes you cry. Linda continued. And I want to make you not sad, but you say to shut the door. Pam nodded, her daughter's superhearing had certainly been an interesting thing to navigate in her young life. But she was doing so well lately, Pam didn't know she'd heard that. I don't always cry when I'm sad. Pam tried to explain. Sometimes, I just cry because I miss her, or, I cry because I'm happy, or because you do little things that remind me of her. They sat a moment in silence, all three of them, before Linda turned to Kara to ask, were they your babies too? Nope, Kara shook her head, moving her left hand onto the book on Linda's lap. Do you see the gold ring? Emicham. Well, that one means mom is my wife. But the silver one, is for someone I was married to before. A very long time ago. Your mom had a different wife too, Kara told her. Her name was Harleen, and your mom loved her very, very much. Anthony and Jolene were their babies. Pam flipped to the next page for her, to a picture of Harley holding Joe on her hip in the garden, the sun behind her, her blonde hair whipping in the wind. That's my Harley. Linda smiled. We have the same hair. Did Jolene have my hair too? Well, let's see. Pam smiled, tears gathering in her eyes as she flipped to the next page. This one had Anthony in a Stanford t-shirt giving Joe a piggyback at the beach. It was a picture Pam remembered had served as Harley's phone background for some time. Eyes widening, Linda asked, are those your same babies? Emicham, Pam nodded. Kara chuckled. Aren't they pretty, Lynn? The girl was nodding now, pointing to Anthony. He looks like the prince from the movie. But not quite your hair, Pam pressed a kiss to Linda's head, turning the page again. Linda's eyes filled with tears of her own in the next picture. Your baby got married? Mm, Emicham, Pam wiped her eyes. Why are you crying, sweetheart? Because I like her smile, Linda sniffed. And I don't want happy people to die. Ah, honey. Kara wrapped her arm around the girl's shoulders, holding her close. You know what? I like Joe's smile too. I am not as pretty as her. Linda stared down at the picture of Joe and Damien dancing at their wedding. Sweetheart. Pam turned fully to her, taking her hands and squeezing. You are the most beautiful thing in the world to me. You are beautiful just being you, just like Joe was beautiful being her. And you know what? She wasn't always this happy. Pam pointed to the picture. She got very angry, and upset, and sad, just like you do sometimes. You know how, you set the dolls up in your dollhouse to make them look perfect? Brush their hair, give them new outfits. Linda nodded. 
well, sometimes Joe was like her own doll. She'd put on pretty clothes and paint on a smile, but that didn't always mean she was happy inside. And we fought a lot, me and her. We didn't always get along. But do you know what she told me when it was time for her to go? What? Linda wiped her eyes. She told me that all the stuff I learned was her mom. All the fights we had, or every mistake I made, I should learn from it. So that way me and my next daughter. Me and you. Pam booped her gently on the nose. Can maybe understand each other a bit better. Linda blinked. She knowed about me? Pam nodded. She knew, someday, there would be another little girl like her. And that little girl, is you. Kara turned the next page for them. This is Anthony's baby, Duke. He loved marigolds, Pam smiled, picking one from behind her and setting it in the crease of the book. He had a wife and a daughter of his own. Is that his mom? Linda asked, pointing to a picture of Anthony standing with his arm around Karen at that first Thanksgiving. That's right, Pam acknowledged. And this is Joe and Damien, and their three babies. Three. That's so much. Pam chuckled. Too much, for a little bit. But then they were very happy. They loved those babies a lot. Did they, love each other? Linda wondered. Oh, yes, Pam nodded quickly. Very much. And his parents, her husband's parents, were my best friends in the world. Do you miss them? Every day. On the last page in this particular album was a singular photograph. Pam had taken it on her and Harley's honeymoon. And with the lighting, the flower in Harley's hair, and her serene expression, it was perhaps Pamela's favorite photograph ever taken. And she'd seen a lot of pictures in her time. I'm so, glad, that you're mine, Pam remembered whispering after the shutter had sounded. Yeah, Harley exhaled, a soft smile tugging at her lips. Me too.